Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, July 29th. This is episode 67. I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis. And we're by ourselves. No guests. All by it's, ourselves. It's so sad. <laughs> I don't know if yours. Were you basing that off of any real song? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, that's fine. It was less than 10 seconds, so we won't get any copyright problems. That was, was kind of my goal. I was just trying to identify kind of it, and I didn't recognize it. What I sang was based on nothing, which is what <laughs> you are about to become. I am nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is our post-Pinberg, not at all about Pinberg episode, because everyone who has podcasts is apparently out at Replay FX, probably getting ready to come back. And so here, we're, we're going to give them content, Tony. That is not going to be what's going to be the next two freaking weeks of podcasts. I'm not complaining. I am. That you all <laughs> take that time and walk us through every single game you play. No one cares. It's what makes people hate the tournament segments on Pinball. I'm just letting everyone know. We're not going to do that, however. Instead, we're going to talk about Pinball and video games and not Pinberg. Except for a little bit about Pinberg. Because I can't help myself. And a little bit. Just, just, just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just but just first... We have intros time. It's intro time, Tony. What's been Yay! going on? Uh, I got my root canal done, and there was no pain. There was literally no pain at all. Okay. The only the only thing I felt was when he first gave me the shots, and I mean, I was scared. I was like wishing I could find a couple volume and get just a couple volume because I was so nervous going in because I'm not big into the whole dental scene. Mm-hmm. And but it was great. Um. I felt the pinches from the shots that numbed me. And when he started, there was, it wasn't pain. It was just this weird feeling. He goes, um, and he said, if you feel anything at all, it doesn't have to be pain. If you just feel something that feels a little weird, you let me know. It's like, well, yeah, that felt a little weird. And he's like, okay, let me give you some more stuff. And then I felt nothing. And it was wonderful. Excellent. So it all went well. Yep. Able to eat solids again. Yep. Not on that side of my face, but yeah. Well, you still have one good side. Yeah. That's, that's what's important. I go in, not this upcoming week, but the week after to get my temporary crown put on. So, which works out pretty well. All right. All in all. Good. And otherwise, I mean, I've been. A lot of the stuff I've been doing we'll talk about later in the show, so there's just been... Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's see. I have... I While I haven't been at Pinburg, I've been at Failburg, because <laughs> everything has been going wrong, and it's start... I'm, I'm going to admit, I'm starting to get almost annoyed about it all, so... Are I, you saying that you're getting a little tilted? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Raw, raw tilted. Oh, no one will get that <laughs> reference. Raw tilt. But the, uh, so, you know, last weekend we both, uh, were at the Pizza West tournament. I have been doing pretty well this year at that tournament. Not last week. Not at all. It was, uh, it was not, not any good. And then Carrie Wing, one of our area players, uh, had her birthday tournament on the Sunday. So I went to yeah. that. It was a lot of fun. I did very badly at it as well. On pretty much all of the EM machines, but it was still, it was, it was done in a mini Pinberg format. So that was nice. Uh, so anyway, when I was leaving there though, some of the other players were peer pressuring me about coming to league. Finally, finally come to league, Dennis. You, we have a 7 p.m. start time. You're always crying about how 9 p.m. is too late. 
wah, wah, wah. Why don't you put up and, and shut up and come out here? So I was like, okay. I was thinking I probably could swing it because I was going to work from home Thursday and they do this on Wednesdays. So I get home from Wednesday and as Tony knows, the forecast here had kept moving up when the rain was going to come. So it was like, okay, I cannot mow before I start working from home on Thursday. I need to mow when I get home Wednesday night. No problem. Get out the mower. I start it up. I do one pass. That's not a good sound, but that was also not an accurate sound. (laughs) Basically, the mower was going rumble, rumble, and then it was going no more rumble. So it's like, I'm thinking that it's the air filter. I clean the air filter. Doesn't, it's not working. Call my dad. I'm like, I've cleaned the air filter. It's got gas. The gas is fresh. I'm confused. Says, did you check the spark plug? No, I didn't check the spark plug. I checked the, I checked the end terminal to it. Go and get my spark plug wrench. It's not the right size. Apparently I have never changed the spark plug in this mower or with this particular size. So I go to the lawnmower store. They're closed. It's it's 5.45 now. They closed yeah. 45 minutes ago. Yeah. So I go to Walmart. I find... I Because I couldn't <laughs> pull the fuse, I took my manual. I found my manual. So, But it's a Briggs & Stratton part number, and no one sells fuses. Or excuse me, not fuses, but uh, spark plugs under Briggs & Stratton part numbers, except Briggs & Stratton. So I had to go online, cross-reference, figure out what brand of champion matched the brand of the mower. They had it. Found that, found a whole complete set of the three most common spark plug size types of wrench heads, bought those, and and got a gap measurer. Because I was thinking, no way am I going to get screwed out of a 90 cent part <laughs> here, so I'll buy the 92 cent gap measurer for, to measure my less than $2 spark plug. Uh, that all went fine. Changed it out. It, w- it was a spark plug. So, But by the time I got back, got it installed, got the yard mode, it was past seven. So I could not go to league. So this is your excuse why you couldn't attend league. No, I haven't told any of them why I didn't show up. They can just think that it was because I don't <laughs> like them. I don't, I didn't go out there and go, I think maybe I made one comment in reply to one person somewhere just in passing that it had ruined my plan to go to league. Yeah, I could have made the 9 p.m. Start, start time, but I've already drawn the line in the sand that that is way too late to be running a league. People need to get their act together and not think that it's all a bunch of night owls. On a school <laughs> night. That's silly. The school night, Tony. School the night. School night. It's a school night. All right. So that was that problem. So later in the night, I'm here in the kitchen area where we're recording, and there's like a little piece, a little bit of hamburger or something on the counter. So I go, throw it in the garbage disposal, hit the switch. Nothing. I'm like, what is wrong with this garbage disposal? I'm trying to remember when I I don't <laughs> use it a lot because I don't cook a lot. And I knew I used it when I cleaned for when I hosted a game night a week ago. Used it because, uh, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll usually clean. I'll just put some dish soap in it, turn it and then well, yeah. and clean it. It smells all nice and like dawn. <laughs> so I go, I get a brush, I clean it out. I'm not seeing anything really in there, though there was some grease buildup. So there had been grease in it at some point. And I finally, I see that the, the circuit breaker on the unit was blown. So push the little red button underneath, still not going. So then I get out my Allen wrench set and I go and I manually turn the blades and they're stuck. They're stuck on something. But there's, I like, I don't see like a piece of silverware in there. Right. I get them going, spinning, turn it on, works. 
water just starts hemorrhaging, <laughs> hemorrhaging out of the reset circuit breaker hole and another hole in the bottom. And I think two things. First, I could live with this. <laughs> and second, electrocution is a bad way to go. So I decided, no, no, I can't live with this. So I, I, I turn it off. I unplug it. I clean up the water under there, under the cabinet, under the sink. And it's like, okay, I'll go to Home Depot tomorrow and pick up a new garbage disposal because it's leaking. There's nothing to be, there's apparently a hole in it now. There's nothing to be done. <laughs> so I go and I, in the morning, I'm getting ready to leave. I start my laundry beforehand because I had a, I had a doctor's appointment anyway. Go <laughs> before I get in the car. I like how you're working yes. from home involves going to Home Depot and the doctor's appointment. This and, was all and, and before doing a bunch of maintenance. The, the maintenance stuff. This is all before eight. <laughs> there, this is all before eight. The doctor's appointment was not. However, I figure, oh well, that's my lunch break. I'm gonna. It's an early. It's a nine forty a.m. lunch break. <laughs> so I'm gonna go. I go and. I start my laundry though before I start even working because I worked for about an hour before I left and I go to put the wash in the dryer and I open the washing machine and it's full of water. (laughs) And I'm just like, what, what is this? So I mess around with it. It's agitating fine. It's filling fine. It's detecting the water fine, but it will no longer spin or drain. And so I look online on just some generic guides and they're like, well, it could be a blown belt or this one isn't belt operated. It could be something that gives bottom line is I'd have to take the whole thing apart to replace any part that's wrong right. with it. And I'm thinking, I don't want to do that. The dryer already had one bad heating element, which is not, a, I guess, a terribly hard change, but I didn't see the point. I just would run it twice. Yeah. I'm so cheap and lazy. So it's like, okay, it's time for a new set of that stuff too. So anyway, go to Home Depot. Get the garbage disposal, go to my appointment, come home, go online. See, I'm being efficient now, back at work, go online to Home Depot, <laughs> order the washer and dryer because I'll, I can pay for them to haul away the old ones because mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going to put all this old stuff that no one would want. So that's all scheduled for Tuesday. So it was almost a week out to get. But so in the meantime, I took later for a second lunch break, I took <laughs> my snack break. I took, because the thing's full of water. I had to, you know, take a, I used the hose. It wasn't a clogged uh, drain or anything. So I used it and filled the bucket most of the way. And then I had to just scoop out all the water for the rest. But while I still had water in there, I used the agitator. I took all my clothes and I hand scrubbed. I just <laughs> used it as a hand wash. Old school Alaska style, like how I used to have to do it. And then I just put all of that soaking wet in the dryer. It took eight dry passes but i got them dry and so i have enough laundry clean to be okay until then i think <laughs> so those were the that's why it was failberg that's my story this intro has i've been at about 10 minutes of failure so 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 uh what are you gonna sell to make up the cost of the washer and dryer oh my god those freaking tariffs have raised the price of the washers so now i'm extra mad about these tariffs (laughs) and we don't go into political stuff here but i'm just saying the tariffs raised the price of my washers an objective fact well if you bought american i bought ge i thought that was as murka as i could get outside of going to kenmore So let's not get crazy. Yeah, let's not. We gotta draw a line. We need some quality here. Actually, the old set was GE too. It was just the cheap. It was the cheapest one that was. Uh, it's a little bit bigger, so I I wanted to make sure I didn't get anything smaller than currently. Yeah, because I, I probably. Did you go remember. dual front loaders? 
No, no. I heard too many people complain about the front loaders uh, on the washing side leak, uh, that the seals can go bad and then they start to leak. And I just thought, I looked at a couple because I've heard they're more water efficient, but I went ahead and just did top load on the on the washer and the, yeah. uh, and the washer and the dryer was the same price. But we're talking like a grand when it's all said and done. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, no, I I still have my job. So I, I'd saved up enough. I was set, uh, squirreling away money. My, but yeah, that was my dad's response. I, I told them I was having to replace the washer and dryer. And he goes, you might have to sell all your pinball machines to make ends meet. <laughs> sell them off. No, not yet. Now, if anything else starts to break, I had to run the dishwasher later that day. And I was thinking, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I could bear to have the, the fridge or the dishwasher go out <laughs> on top of all this. Though. Yeah. I did the dishwasher like three years ago. So it's relatively new. But that fridge I've already had to fix once. So. So that was all that. This is a bad time to mention you've got four flat tires? Yes, it's terrible. <laughs> okay. Like, the tires are relatively cheap. It's just a question of getting to the... My tire guy went out of business. I have to go to a new tire guy. Oh, you were, you used Tim's? I did. I used uh, Tim's. I'm hearing good things about the Big O's locations, though, around. That That's were, what I use now. But really when I lived when I lived up here and lived in this area, I used Tim's. I liked Tim's, yeah. yeah. But no, there was too much competition, they said. So they went out of business. Uh, and other than that, I've been being really busy with hobby work. So I have a, I did a video thing yesterday. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And then I've been working on three pinball articles and that's probably too, too many, quite frankly. So there's a collaborative piece I've been working on with two other authors and we've been working on it for months and it's been moving forward quite rapidly at this point. So I think that one's near done. Yeah. But we're now at the part where I need to look at it again. So. I'm the hold up, which, so I'm going to try and get through it within the next week. Uh, and then there's another guide I'm working on, but there's so many pieces to it. It's just, it's taking a lot longer than I had hoped it would when I first thought of the idea, but it's, it's going along fine. It's just, it's going to take a while. And then there, someone asked about a third topic, which I thought I'm way too busy. And then I thought, no, it's a really good topic. So I've only really been working on the outline to, I haven't started writing it and that one will wait. Yeah, uh, there is such a thing as buying off more than you can chew, especially in hobby stuff where you don't get paid for any of it. So probably after this, I'm going to scale back <laughs> for a little while and keep things sane. Because, of course, we still had a whole show to put together. Right. But we have done so. Now, that's one thing uh, I didn't. Speaking of all this stuff, one thing I haven't uh, mentioned, and it doesn't actually fit elsewhere like most of the rest of my stuff. I have been in the midst of a large reorganization of everything like we're lit like i'm literally picking it's like okay the master closet is an utter disaster complete reorganization completely redoing my half of uh, all my or stuff i've got in the bedroom starting on my computer area starting on this area doing major reorganizations and getting you know framed pictures that i've had sitting mm. around for like almost a year now waiting to be hung up hung up is all they're not hung up yet but i'm getting closer i've got some shelving up now that i've had that i got for my birthday i finally got half of the shelving up and got some stuff put up on it i got some other stuff taken care of so we're getting there yeah as well after game night i remember one of your daughters had noted that the side bathroom was really dirty and so i uh i took two mr clean pads and i have been getting the the prior owners put wallpaper in yeah. there, and the steam has caused these purple flowered wallpaper to streak on the white walls. 
that actually got quite a bit of it up. So I'm feeling those 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 things are amazing. They are, and I I probably should do a couple more pat. It's just my arms were tired by then, and I was out of gloves. So, right. So and I know the tub's a little dirty, but uh, my housemate can get to that. So that's a soap stuff. So that's not a big issue. But I, I patched the holes in the wall from where the towel rack was in there because it's sort of like okay, I'm gonna get get that going. I patched those in in my bathroom, the master bathroom, patched up. So I'm just sort of like, here's the reason why for me though, it's not any special motivation. It's when I, on the fourth, I was out at the lake and people were telling me about the, the hoarding shows. And then I saw the hoarding shows and what happened to their houses. And I'm like, now I feel like I need to do stuff. So, so it's, I was like, I threw away, this is a bag of computer parts the other day yeah. in the garage. And it's like, what is this cord? It looks like dial up modem cord. Oh, okay. gotcha. why is there steel wool in this bag with it? Oh no, that's not steel wool. It's a, it's a masticated mouse. Out of here. So yeah, I've, uh, I've, like I said, I'm I'm doing the same thing. I'm working on it. The problem yeah. the problem is 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 about seventy five percent of the stuff is my wife. So mm-hmm. it's like I don't really, I can't really do anything with it. Right, and right. And just, you want to be respectful. I mean, that's the same thing. For as I I noted, I rent a room out, and so I have a housemate and. He uses some of the area for storage and things like that. And so I don't want to go through and throw away things that belong to other people. That's, right. That's no, 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 no. That's not nice to do at all. So, but I got plenty of my own crap that needs to be dealt with. I, what I really need to do is recycle all my old computers because the garage I have full of computers, three of them, and satellite receivers and old monitors. It's just crap. Just crap. Now, I guess it's okay because you don't have to climb all over it in order to get to the next room. Yeah. But. Yeah, exactly. But every time I think about getting a pinball machine or something, it's like, where do these things go? And of course, other people are like, why don't you sell me a pinball machine? I'm like, but I don't want to sell one right now. I kind of, maybe, maybe soon. We're getting close. So speaking of pinball, let's go ahead and this was one of the longest intros we've done in a long time, but I think, I think it was worth it so people could experience our pain, or at least my pain. You apparently got numbed to your pain. Mm-hmm. It was uh, good. They don't do that in Europe. Except for it was. He, oh, he now one last. Thing. Oh no! No, too late. Toothgate. Too late. Toothgate. My wife and oldest daughter went with me, and what they dropped me off, and then they went to uh, Joanne's to go. It's a it's craft a, store. It's a craft store. Okay. I so, so they went. So they went to the craft store. And did some shopping while I got this done, and then I got out, and and I'm numbed, and my face is all puffed up, and I can't, I can't do anything, and and they're like, it's like, well, they're like, the uh, the dentist and everybody was like, okay, now you're not going to want to eat until the numbness, obviously, because you're going to bite your tongue and this and that. Mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't talk. I sounded like a stroke victim because my tongue felt like it was the size of my arm, and it was terrible. So of course they decided, let's go to IKEA, and I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then on the way to the Ikea, they're like, we're hungry. Let's go to Steak and Shake. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't eat. And then they're like, well, oh, well, no, we turned, oh, Steak and Shake's that way. That's too far away from Ikea. So we'll go to Arby's. I can't eat. <laughs> and then finally they ended up going to McDonald's. And it's like, can I have a shake? <laughs> yeah. I, I, and then okay. we wandered Ikea for like three hours and then a pet store. And we finally went home and I took a bloody nap because I was exhausted. 
Hearing that makes me tired. It was just, it was just so. It's like, hey, let's go to Steak and Shake. It's like I can't eat. You're gonna sit there and eat meals in front of me while Whole I just meals, sit there yeah. and drool run down my face because my face is so numb I don't notice it. It's what they want. It's a, yeah. It's what they wanted out of you. You're the Charlie Brown of your house. I am. Oh, trust me. I am. I know you are. I'm the Charlie Brown of this <laughs> podcast. For me. Okay. Well, well, now we'll go ahead and go into pinball, uh, pinball, and we'll we'll start with pinball news. And I said we weren't going to talk about Pinberg except for the little bit where we talk about Pinberg. And this is that part. I just want to say congratulations to Keith Elwin, unsurprising victor of Pinberg A division. This is his fourth win in the last eight years, I guess. So, I, I believe that makes good him job the, the winningest. Uh, but I do want to say special shout out to Carrie Wing. She's an area Kansas City player. Uh, she made A Division finals. I believe she was the highest ranked of the Kansas, Missouri area in the A Division finals. But I think Steve Hill was A Division. Uh, and um, I believe that uh, Jason Shufflemeyer was A Division. And then Adam McKinney, or we see him at some yeah. of the larger events, he was A Division. So congratulations to all of them. I'm in no way surprised. With any, with yeah. any of them as good as they are. Carrie, I, actually, Steve is probably who talked rules, game rules and taught me about game rules the most. And Carrie would be the, the close second on that mm-hmm. in terms of just raw new, news, not news, but rules knowledge. And then trying to help me be a better player by saying, Hey, maybe you should consider doing this, which is generally a Dennis, you're doing it wrong. Would you like to be a winner <laughs> or would the, you like to be you? It's a really nice way of saying, Hey, Stop sucking. Yeah. <laughs> After they get the win, it'd be like, Dennis, I noticed that you were, you were fond of shooting where there's nothing. Would you, would you like to know what to shoot for? <laughs> and my answer is generally, why, well, yes, I would love to know what to shoot for. I would now really I just have, love to know where it was I, five minutes ago. I like the idea of rules, but it's easier for me when they're explained to me than, than trying to read them. Yeah. I'm the same yeah. way. I just, and when I can actually see it. Yeah. I, I, I love rundowns like that. So. Mm-hmm. It is very helpful. So anyway, congratulations to all of them. Next news item, Multimorphic, makers of the P3 platform. They have announced that they've fulfilled all of the P3 pre-orders. So anyone who pre-ordered the P3, it's now been shipped out to them. So they're, I believe, at the point where they are just accepting new orders. They were prioritizing right. taking care of all pre-orders. And now anyone who wants a P3 puts in an order for a P3 and then those will be issued under whatever auspices that they've devised. I don't know if they wait until they get a few or they just, they do them whenever the orders come in. I believe there's some contract manufacturing that's involved. So it may be just case in by batches. case. Yeah. Maybe case by case or maybe batches. I'm not entirely sure, but the point is everyone who committed money early has at this point been satisfied or at least they've been shipped out for them to be satisfied. Right. So that's very good news. They, they, they at least have a game on the way. They might not be satisfied, but they've got the game on the way. Yes. And I'm not aware of anyone who has been wholly concerned that Multimorphic was, uh, no. was in any sort of. No, trouble. I haven't heard any issues no. with them. No. At all. So, but it's still nonetheless very good news for all those people that, uh, had the confidence to put in pre-order money on the product. Right. I, in, in, in pinball, pre-orders being successfully completed by anybody is a wonderful thing that deserves to be applauded because not exactly the greatest track record in the no, hobby. No, unfortunately not. Well, third news item. Jersey Jack Pinball. They have finally started production of Pirates of the Caribbean. 
The photos appeared on Facebook just at the end of last week. Tony. Okay, Tony. Tell, me, tell me your thoughts. Tell me your thoughts about pirates. I just did. No. <laughs> uh, I'm, you played a prototype. I played Texas. the prototype. It was all right. I don't see anything. I will wait to hold my actual feelings since a lot of the stuff got so much stuff got changed. Uh, but for the production copy until I've actually played a production copy. But the truth of the matter is, is I'm not interested in it. I have, I don't care about the license at all. And the game was, uh, uh of Jersey Jack's games, I would rank it third, probably third. Do you think that setting your personal opinion aside, but I'm yet. Yeah. Asking for your personal opinion. Do you think the hype for this game has passed because of the length of time it has taken to go to production? And the bad news and the design changes and everything else, I think a lot of the hype has been burned up. Okay. I think I think they'll sell well. I do think they'll sell well. I don't think they have the kind of hype behind it that had been hoped for. And this seems to be something Jersey Jack has... Uh, ongoing issue is where they get lots of good hype and huge hype. And then when the game actually comes out, the hype's all done. It's all over. And some of that's just because they start hyping stuff up two and a half years before the game's release. So the hype train is done, gone. Nobody cares anymore. And some of that is just, they were, they were all over and they put out the prototypes. And even after they made the changes, they were still putting out the prototypes that had the features that had been removed from the game. And it's like, that's, it's not even a valid prototype you're showing because you've removed several of the things that are core to the gameplay of the prototype, but aren't on anything else. So we'll see. We'll see how they do. I think a lot of pinball companies excluding Stern, have a PR and hype control problem. And most of it's because they put their information out so far before the game actually hits that by the time the game hits, people are burned out and don't care. I think uh, it's a pretty relevant perspective that you're that you're discussing. And I, I can't say you're wrong. I, I think that it's there are going to be some people now that it's in production that it will reinvigorate. It'll be like rehydrating uh, a ramen bowl. It right. Will, it, there'll be some that will now get kind of hyped about it. But I think that lightning in a bottle sort of experience where it was in the fall of last year where they quote unquote won expo. That was the one where Stern was all beer plus pinball equal dollars and right. Jersey Jack was had that awesome reveal of the Pirates of the Caribbean. And a lot of that hype was obviously the feature rich nature of the game. And a lot of it was just the, the reveal itself was executed very well, very, very well. But as you noted, the prototype changes were seen as pretty significant. And we have to remember that. And I think a lot of potential buyers remember that. Pirates of the Caribbean was supposed to be a Q1 2018 release, and we're in Q3. So while this is not Wizard of Oz and The Hobbit behind schedule, the progress where I felt people saw dialed in as a game that came out on time, this is a step back. Yeah, This is a, you still can't make your timelines. Now, was it because they spent so long trying to engineer those three spinning discs to work together? Or It doesn't matter. It's just... 
It's half a year behind schedule. Again, it's a, it would be a step up, except dialed in was other, dialed in was so good in so many ways. Dialed in didn't have any major feature changes. Dialed in did not have any known delays that I can think of with production. So it's just impossible in my mind to not feel that pirates stepped back from that. They did. That quality that we saw with dialed in. And I think that's not a make or break sort of thing for the company or anything. It's just, it's unfortunate because. They were so well positioned, but this plays really well into my narrative. So I guess I'm happy about that, (laughs) about the whole, remember my theme for Stern in 2018, it's the Empire Strikes Back and everything that's been happening is breaking Stern's way. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit more when we move further down in the news. But that's really all I had to say about Pirates. So it is good news that it's finally shipping because I know a lot of people have been looking forward to it. So let's talk about news item number four. This is the announcement of a new pinball manufacturer named Team Pinball. Not the most creative name in the world, but it is, it is cool. descriptive. I'll, uh, sure. That's okay. Yeah. It's like it law firms. Me, They're all boring names. It, it, it kind of triggers my, my, my old school retro thing, like Team Bonsai from, from, from Buckaroo Bonsai across the, oh yeah, my cult movie of, yeah. Well, shut up. Their first pinball <laughs> machine is not themed off a of Buckaroo Bonsai. Oh, do you know how awesome a Buckaroo Bonsai pinball machine would be? It would probably be about zero awesome. It would. It'd be more than that to me. Oh, okay. It'd be three. It'd be a three. Okay, it'd be a three. I I know some. I know some people <laughs> who love that movie. But you know what? I think there'd be a higher likelihood of seeing a Big Trouble in Little China. Over I think that. it'd be more popular. I yeah, think Big that's Trouble why. More popular would be a lot more. And more Big Trouble popular. in Little China probably would not be a good theme to do in this day and age. I don't. Uh, I don't think it's cult enough. This is, it ain't yeah. Ghostbusters. It ain't Ghostbusters. That's true. That's the thing. That's true. I don't think you go with a cult classic for. Yeah, I mean, be like I, a Smokey and the Bandit. Machine. I mean, was was there ever a Smokey and the Bandit machine? No, that would have made good no, sense. No, uh, I maybe there was some game that stole their likenesses for a back glass, but there's nothing that really was thematically actually right. licensed. But that was much much less common back then. But so uh, their first game, Team Pinball's first game, is the Mafia. Da, da, da. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the specs. So it's Raspberry Pi driven. It's a single ball game. It, according to my count, has seven coils, two for the flippers, two for the slingshots, and three for the pop bumpers. It has one spinner and it has a captive ball. And then other than that, it's pretty much several stand up targets. The US price is $7,500. Total production will be capped at 100 units, and from what I can tell, the U.S. share of that is capped at 35. The company, Team Pinball, is made up of three former Highway Pinball employees. So, given all that, what are your thoughts about this project? What are my thoughts? I think I want to hear what you have to say first, because I can see it burning behind your eyes. Well, I think this is really interesting. So let me open with why I think Mafia Pinball is good for the hobby. And I'm going to start with this Raspberry Pi piece. That part fascinates me. I have heard for quite a while now, people claim that Raspberry Pi cannot drive pinball machines, that it is too weak. And I've always found that very odd, given how 
old solid state electronics have been in pinball. I could see how you could argue that a Raspberry Pi could not drive a Jersey Jack game or drive a modern Stern Spike game, Mm -hmm. but surely it can drive some sort of game. Actually, I was speaking at Carrie's pinball tournament that she had last weekend with, with Steve Hill, who we mentioned earlier. And he mentioned to me that it had to do with the, and I think it's even in the Pinball News article about this, which I do have a link in the show notes too for people to read and learn more about Team Pinball and, and the Mafia Pin. But about the stacks, about how you build the stack, stacking in the, in the system. And that the, I guess the existing setups, someone would have to go in and basically do it from scratch. And they have. So the idea of being able to take a $40 computer and stick it in to drive pinball is really interesting. Now, they do need to rely on more than just the Raspberry Pi. They still need another board to handle the actual elect- right. the electric part of it to fire all the mechanisms and everything. But still, I'm, I'm really pleased to see that in there. I also think that this is an excellent test case of a game to see just how true this collector market is. The boot, the true boutique style. This $7,500 price point is obviously above a number of other options that exist. It's higher than Stern Pros. It's basically in line with the Stern Premium. It's higher than what American Pinball is charging. So basically it's under Jersey Jack price. It's higher than Spooky. So, but they've got the limit. They got the 100 unit limit. So this will be an excellent test case to see. Will all hundred, I'm fascinated to know, will all hundred of these sell out? Is it really all about exclusivity now? Is that what the high dollar end of this hobby is being driven by? Or is it being driven by gameplay? Which we don't have a lot of information on yet. They had a video. It was very close up. There wasn't, there weren't any broad shots of play that I can tell anything of. They've indicated that it's a lot of hurry up modes and such, but it's a single level game. Will that cause issues for them? Total Nuclear Annihilation single level, and it is in no way caused issues for it as far as spooky production numbers are concerned. So I think those elements are pretty positive. But I'm dying to know your thoughts, Tony. What are your thoughts about either Team Pinball as a company or the Mafia as a game? The whole former Highway Pinball employees thing is a red flag. Why? Because they're former... Highway pinball employees. But Tony, that means they've learned from all the mistakes of highway pinball, doesn't it? Oh, I would hope so. But we don't really know. I'm not going to smash them just because of what happened in their previous to their previous employer. It's not necessarily their fault. Um, we'll see how this turns out. But it's a red flag that has me watching. Uh there are some hopeful things. The 100 machine limit, the acting like an actual boutique instead of walking in out of nowhere and being completely unknown and just like, we're going to kill Stern. Huh? That's our job. That, that I, I like that. They're actually doing it what I would consider the smart way. The price? It's boutique, Tony. It's I know boutique. it's boutique. Handcrafted. But... These people and their families have been assembling. They've built 10 machines already. Yeah, that's wonderful. And if they're all handcrafted and it's all perfect and everything's good, great on them. And again, it's something to be hopeful for. But at the same time, it's a lot of money for an unknown. 
the fact that the current king of the boutiques is spooky and they're not even up to that price point yet. And that, and looking from Spooky's first game to the Spooky's newest game, you can see the growth throughout. And they're still not up to the price point this is starting at. And if this is rolls out at this price point and it looks and plays and feels like America's Most Haunted, that's going to be a pretty big smack to the face. Um. I do like that it's Raspberry Pi driven. I like the possibilities that that opens up in the future. I like, okay, like is a strong word. I don't mind that it's a single level play field. Because, again, I think Total Nuclear Annihilation's an amazing game. And it's single level play field. Um, I've been playing several of your street level games. And I've enjoyed all of them. Uh so I don't have as big of a push as some people do about needing all the ramps and the extra levels and the specials and this and that. If a game plays good and it's fun to play, which is all stuff we have no idea about, that's all that matters. Um, I'm sure we're going to hear more about it soon. I'm sure that as things move ahead, that we'll be able to get a much better look at things. And I'm hopeful for the hobby that for once, just once, one of these things will work out. And I'll say, as I've said time and time and time again, don't pre-order anything. Just don't. It's not worth it. I like the part where you said like is a strong word, which is like the most mild way to express, <laughs> or express some pleasure on something. Yeah, I like it. Uh, uh, let me ask you this question, though, because you, you, had, you had good points. Do you think Team Pinball will sell all 100 of the target number of the Mafia? I think they will sell all 35 targeted for the United States. I think them selling the other 65 is probably likely, but I would put a time frame of upwards of two years for it. Okay. I could be wrong. Maybe things have changed. Maybe things have gone different. But as I recall, now this is going from my memory and I do not have the, the, the pinball knowledge and the pinball, the deep diving and stuff that you have. But as I recall, they only did like 125 or 150 America's Most Haunted. 150. 150. And they didn't even sell out of all of those until the Rob Zombie announcement. I don't know when they sold out. It sounded like originally there wasn't a cap and then they made the decision to in install a cap and then they sold pretty quickly after the fact, I think starting with Texas Pinball Festival. Right. But I don't know when Rob, I don't remember when Rob Zombie was announced. So maybe, maybe with it coming out that there is a cap, maybe people will snap them up faster. I, I think, think that's the plan. I just think that they could be, their sales might not be as fast due to the fact of they're who they are and what they're coming from. Now, the theme seems to me kind of like a pretty workable, old-school kind of pinball theme. Mm -hmm. And f the art from the pictures I saw was really kind of cool. Yeah, I liked the art. I liked it. 
So it's going to all boil down to is the gameplay good or is this, I mean, it, I mean, with the art package and everything else and a single level, unless the gameplay's insane, this is too much. Hmm. I mean, you're looking at 7,500 and I can get a TNA for six, six pre-shipping, but the 7,500 is pre-shipping too. So, right. And I can see at the collector market level the desire to grab. Oh, there's only going to be a hundred of them. I got to get it in my collection. But from an, uh, the level of most, what I would consider most players and most casual hobby owners, it's like this is going to have to be amazing for me to spend an extra fifteen hundred dollars to get o- over this game. That's all there is to it. We'll see. I think their price point's high for trying to break into the market. It's, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like a lot about this. I think it's good for the hobby, but I think it's good for the hobby for a lot of experimental reasons. So let me give, uh, I guess, a few of my concerns and I'll open it with, I don't think they sell all 100. I think this is the test case that will fail. And it will show that you cannot just put out a pinball machine that's playable and put any price you want on it. And as long as it's limited, it will sell out. I think they will not sell 100. I have no problem seeing that. I don't think they will sell 100 because I think it's too common at 100 units at too high of a price for gameplay that so far does not appear to be compelling enough. Now, as you noted, I have single level games. Over half of my collection is single level in, I mean, I was going to say in one way or another, they're all single level. A couple are street level, a couple are just older games that are single level games. This game is making a lot of mistakes in my view. It is a layout which I feel I could do better and I'm not a designer. I don't think it's a bad layout. They tried to, here, all right. Let me talk a little bit about single level. As a fan, let me go so far as to say, as a connoisseur of single a level, let me tell you what the most important thing is with what I think makes single level work. The best single level games are games where you feel like there's a lot to shoot for, even though there aren't ramps mm-hmm. or multiple play fields. That it, you need to cram that sucker full of shots. Full of shots. Now, of... Yeah, it does. It's not particularly important, but if you were to, of my single level games of the four I have, which one do you think is the most enjoyable to play? Silver Slugger. Okay. And for those that don't know, I have a Silver Slugger, a Hoops, a Firepower, and a Superman. Silver Slugger is easily the one with the most shots. Easily. Trudeau crammed that thing. There is not an inch of wasted space. There is something to go for all over the place. They have tried to do this here with the middle area. The middle area, which is led into by a spinner, and then it goes into the three-pop bumper section. That's kind of segmented off, which I respect. That's a good... It's a good idea. Not the most creative layout, though. And I don't know how fun it's going to be because ball-in-pops isn't always very fun. Right. So that, I think, was a tremendous mistake. If you wanted to do single level, I think... They should have tried to be really creative with it. Do something weird. 
Do you, like title fight. Just do something crazy. Maybe it doesn't play very well, but at least it's unique. Yeah. This might shoot okay. The geometry does not look poor to me, but it also looks like there's not a lot to shoot for. How many stand-up targets are on this thing? I think five or six. It's just, it's not a lot. Silver Slugger has six stand-ups on just on the two sides right. of the game. That's before you consider an entire drop target bank, which this doesn't have. And it's got two, and Silver Slugger has two spinners. That three. Are, it's got three. It does have three spinners. Yes. So, and, this, and they're awesome. And this has, and this might have a fun, I saw some people being really critical, I saw, I should say, I've heard on some other podcasts, people being really critical of the spinners because they're not on the orbits. Guys, not everything needs to be a cookie cut. This is where I will, once again, yeah. I'll, I'll defend team, team pinball here. Guys, not everything has to be a cookie cutter spinner placement. If you want a spinner game on orbits, you got plenty of choice. Go buy a Grand Prix. Okay. You got plenty of choices. There's nothing wrong with putting the spinner in the middle, but I don't know if it's enough. I mean, for example, I think the spinner in the middle on Playmatic Space Gambler works. I think it's a fun mm-hmm. shot, but I don't know if as clustered as these pops are and just these stand ups, if this shot's going to work in the same way. It, it just it just depends. Here's the thing. I can get you probably a space gambler for under a grand. So and that's where this comes into play. There are so this is like an EM experience at a tremendously high price point. And the only leverage for the price point is the quote unquote rarity. But it ain't all that rare. This ain't magic girl rare with a target number of 25 or less. A hundred is not an insignificant number of machines, especially in this day and age. And I think it was a tremendous mistake to go with one ball play. If I were a designer, and I am not, but I could be, if I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express, I am telling you, I would never, ever, ever, even if going for an EM-inspired layout, ever go without multiball. No. You need multiball. And this is... I'm sorry. If you don't want a game with multiball, then there are hundreds of games under a thousand dollars that you can get in pristine condition because no one played them because there was no multi-ball no they're plenty from the solid state era even bally was turning them out left and right after 81 when they were short on cash and couldn't think of what to do so they cheaped out left and right and that's what it looks like a cheap out strategy a captive it has a captive ball as the other feature besides the spinner the cheapest device possible it's a pinball with a switch or a target that gets hit. Yeah. It's cheap. But don't get me wrong. I think captive balls are fun. Mm-hmm. But this is not a lot to shoot for. There's not. There's one captive ball and there's one spinner in the middle. And then it's stand-ups. That's it. The three pop bumper, two sling, two flipper coil count thing I did of seven. That is like baby's first pinball instruction set. That is the most common. How many games can you think of that have two flippers, two slings, and three, exactly three pop bumpers? Most of them. Yep. Most of them. It is so uninspired. So that's where I will criticize it. This is a very high price point. That's going to be the big obstacle. And I, I'm interested in seeing how this hurry up modes and stuff. It may be really fun to shoot, but given how many people are biased towards wanting multi-level, be it multiple play fields or having ramps and how many people are biased towards a game that at least gives them a multi-ball to play around with. This is going to turn off a lot of people regardless of how good the rules are or the art is, or even how fun the geometry is. So I don't think they saw 100. 
The question is, how many do they need to sell to feel that they're successful and move on to another title? Because I don't know if it's all 100 or not. They're, I would hope not. They're I not hope, building all 100 up front. So. I would hope not. I would hope that they have a plan built in that involves them selling 25 to be considered a successful bid. Because that would make, that would, that, that would be them going for, I mean, find a better way to put this. If they set it up to, to be where they would break even to the point where they would not be at running at a loss with between 25 and 30 total sales. As long as they're not in a sim sort of haven't put themselves into the situation where they have to sell like 60 or 70 for sure to not have lost so much money that they can't continue, I think they'd be okay. Yeah, this so far is still more of a, a hobby operation. So right. It's just a, a question of I'm wondering what the threshold is for them to go, oh, okay, it's worth going for a game number two versus right. a, all right, we broke even or we made a little bit of money. There's some number there. there I don't know if it's yeah. the 100. I'm assuming it's less. I would assume. I, would I don't hope think they're. So. I don't think they're hitting 100. I don't think they can. I don't think there are enough collectors willing to. There has to at least be the perception of value, right? And they, and I. That's the test, though. That's why it's good for the hobby. We're going to see now, if it's the exclusivity alone enough because there are some collectors out there like that, but I don't think most of them are. And I don't think that. I, I I agree with you. I don't think there's a hundred of them. Now, here's a thought. If they left the numbers at 100, but the game was five grand, do you think they'd sell all 100? Uh, and I don't know. It, I think, I don't think the price is the barrier at that point, but the question would come down to the gameplay. And if right. it got a really bad reputation, uh, because that's the issue with even, I mean, look at Rob Zombie. I can't imagine. I know the prices have fallen on the used market. I think it trades lower than it did new in box. I was America's so. most, well, it's a terrible game, but versus America's most haunted, which goes for more than new in box. It's normal for games to sell for less use. That's not weird. It's a question of, but if you're going for a limited product, most people who are into that are thinking, well, since it's a limited run, this should gain value over time. That's sort of that investor mentality. Right. And so I think that they could, I think they could relatively easily, my speculation would be, I think they relatively easily hit the 100 initial sales if the game was at 5,000, because that puts it down beneath everything except Thunderbirds. So then that just comes down to which game plays better. And I've not played either of them. I've heard Thunderbirds plays pretty bad, but if this, so if this game outplays it, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough. I don't know. When you look under the hood at this thing, you know, it was the last episode we were on, where we were with Mrs. Penn, and I mentioned the whole comparison on Silver Slugger and Hoops. This thing makes Hoops look full featured when you lift up that play. See, field. and that's this is stripped. I mean, this could almost, other than the price, and maybe the playfield dimensions are, are standard size. I'm getting, I'm getting into my little rabbit holes of what exactly is street level, but. This is way more Spartan than the Street Level series was in terms of mechs and features. I, why I don't I, understand the price. I look at this and I'm just thinking, you have no advantage over Street Level. Gottlieb's attempt to sell cheap games. The only reason you have for offering the high dollar sticker price is the exclusivity. That's the only, that's what they're hinging on. Right. And that's, that's what's, 
but that's it's an interesting experiment. So let's enjoy watching it for that purpose. I mean, it's just it makes no sense to have something like that that costs that kind of money. That's why I I think most collectors will look at this and they'll they'll hard pass. They'll be because I think most collectors actually want to play the game, and I just think this sort of EM experience just at this price point is not gonna not gonna fly. You could get well, a fully restored EM for less than this. Right. And then you also you figure you gotta figure in if they're using a Raspberry Pi, they've already brought some of the price of materials way down. Oh, you look at this game and you can tell that there's no what you look at it, where's the money? There they have a they have a monitor in the back, but that's cheaper than a DMD. Right. And so so there's that, and then there's the color changing RGB throughout the playfield. And as I went on this little a little tear, I hopefully I didn't upset people when I was over at Carrie's, but I I mocked that how pinball people there's probably lots of people, but how pinball people eat that crap up like it's somehow expensive. Color changing RGBs are you can get Christmas lights like that now. It's silly to think that it's. They get convinced that it's like $5 a bulb or something. I think a lot of people are still stuck in the old school mindset when we first started seeing LEDs and color change and this and that when it was like, oh yeah, that's, it's cool, but it's so pricey. It's like, seriously, if I wanted to, if I was that guy, I could go to Ikea where I'd already, since I'm going to Ikea, I'm going to be paying more for these than if I went to Amazon and hunted down them. And I could just bling out RGB all over my computer desk and be out like 75 bucks. Yeah. I have a, for my virtual pinball, I have color changing RGB ribbon that just runs. That's where all the ground effects are from. Yeah. The only thing that the RGB adds in terms of complication on pinball machines is the need for additional wires to the lighting because it's not just turn on and turn off. You have to control the three color right that get blended together so but now they've got so many controllers that you put everything together and oh, yeah. then it wirelessly connects to your it phone. looked really clean when i looked at so, the photos yeah. of the mafia it looked really i'm not i'm not critical of how they laid it out or anything i'm just saying that these are the things that people might identify as being high value stand-up targets are always associated with being the cheap substitute to drops yep. sometimes i think stand-ups are better to have i think firepower is a better game for having stand-ups i think it's more brutal but that's debated. Yeah. Uh, but I totally agree that, yeah, it's always shows that you put more money into your product when you use drops. So it's, it is what it is. But I mean, when you look at this bill of materials and you're not even at the cheapest of the, you're, that you make, you're so Spartan compared to street level, street level of all things, the, the cheapies that, it's just, there's nothing, I mean, what else are you going to compare it to? I mean, the only EM example I can think of in the modern era was Capcom's uh, classic line, which they only made break shot of, but break shot had a multi-ball and more features than this. Yeah. So, I mean, EM had fancy stuff. Uh, the, uh, Card Wiz is more fancy than this. And Card Wiz is a good game, but I mean, it's just, you look at Card Wiz and you're like, there's more money in Card Wiz than there is in this. But Card Wiz inflation adjusted is not remotely near seventy five hundred dollars. No. So no, I think the price point's insane. It is. But anyway, it was but it's good for the hobby. That's my that's my stance. It's good for the hobby. I'm starting to wonder if there's actually anything that's good for the hobby. Oh, there's plenty of good. Let's talk about the next thing that you might think is good for the hobby, or you might not, and that is Stern Pinball has acquired the Godzilla license. This is good for the hobby. Okay. 
It appears that this is specifically Toho's Godzilla license. This is great for the hobby. And so I wanted your thoughts, because I know you are a big Godzilla fan. The way this was presented in This Week in Pinball was, there was the, we knew that Spooky Pinball had gone to a convention, and they had noted that they did not acquire the Godzilla license. According to This Week in Pinball, there was a bidding war, and Stern won the license. Of course they're going to win a over, bidding war. And I, No one's surprised that, that if there was a bidding war, if Stern wants to win, they're going to win over anyone. I think that's pretty much a given. However, there's been a lot of discussion because some of it had to do, I think, with This Week in Pinball's phrasing about it being a bidding war, and that they got it from spooky pinball Uh, and the reason why there's that phrasing that context is that charlie who runs spooky is a huge godzilla fan his very first custom pin was i believe retheming firepower 2 into a true godzilla game and he really 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 wanted the godzilla license and after this information came out that stern was the one who acquired it he did have a post on, I believe, Pinside, which was, uh, I felt it came across as somewhat backhanded to, to Stern, sort of saying that they had passed on licenses, uh, and told other license holders that Stern was a better fit for them and that, you know, they kind of expected some quid pro quo, but they didn't get it here. And oh well, business lesson learned sort of. Phrasing. I'm paraphrasing, so apologies yeah. for the for the inaccuracies in it. But a lot of the discussion has been, wow, this is such a dick move because everyone knows Spooky loves Godzilla. Spooky should have Godzilla because Charlie is a huge Godzilla fan. He's the biggest Godzilla fan there is. So some feel that Stern did this on purpose to screw with Spooky. And other people think it was just business, and then other people think why Godzilla at all. So you're a Godzilla fan. You've mentioned that you like the idea of Stern having the Godzilla license. What are your thoughts? I guess Stern versus spooky having it from maybe a practical standpoint or an emotional standpoint and the idea of it working as a theme. I know some of the motivation may be that there is another Godzilla movie coming out. And so even though monsters comes out next year, the trailers. Awesome. So whether it would be based on something new or there could still be timing value. Stern put out Ghostbusters, classic Ghostbusters, but it was launched around when the female Ghostbusters movie was coming out. So there was at least still some name association. So I could see that being in play. But anyway, I've rambled on enough about it. You're the Godzilla expert, not me. My primary reason that I would prefer it to Stern over Spooky has nothing to do with the fan, with, with with who's the bigger fan or who's doing this or who's trying to. It's just that as much as people love them, most of the spooky games I've played haven't been that good. Okay, I I would agree with you, but I mean, you want me to compl- let me complicate it for you a little bit. What if Godzilla was going to be the Denisi number two design? Because it's known that he is doing another design for Spooky. And In that case, lo- I would have been fine with it. And you, lo- and I know you love Total Nuclear Annihilation, so I would, I would have been fine with that. Okay, I, but, I, but go on. I just this is an interesting what if. Yeah, for me, it's just it's about I want the game to hopefully be as good as possible, and 
based upon history. And I'm not judging based upon Alice Cooper yet because I've only played the little bit. And I know there's been changes going on in this and that. We'll see how it goes. But the QC and everything I've seen in the other uh, spookies we've actually played have been not very happy. Okay. So that's why I'm more interested in Stern having it. I think Stern has the better chance to make it good. And as a something that I grew up with and something that I love having the best chance to have it come out and be as good as possible is important to me. Um, because this is one of those games that would fall to me completely under a, Oh, okay. I want this game. Well, who I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's Godzilla. I bloody want a Godzilla game. Um, I'm not the hugest Godzilla fan. Uh, I'm not, when I was, when I was at KU, one of my history professors was the biggest Godzilla fan I've ever met. Um, simply because he wrote a very large book about Godzilla and the Godzilla fandom and got it published. And when you entered his office, his, he's a history professor, but all three of the walls around his office and his desk were covered in Godzilla merch. Everything. Hmm. He was awesome. Uh, but when it comes to something like that, I think the theme has a lot to do with the interest in the game. So as long as it's got a good designer and the game plays well, it'll be amazing. And it'll be double amazing because of the theme for me. That's why I prefer Stern to have it. Because I think Stern has the better chance to make it the better game. I I agree with you, actually. I agree with you on almost all of your points. The design... St- there is not a bad playfield designer at at Stern. Right. I respect Borg. I respect Steve Ritchie. I respect Keith Elwin has proven his chops. They're bringing back Brian Eddy. Imagine Brian Eddy. Attack from Mars, but Godzilla. I mean, I'm assuming it wouldn't be a cookie cutter. I'd like it, but... I need to... But, I'll, I'll be right back. I'll be... I'll be... Yeah. yeah. So, and... <laughs> And so you've got, yeah, you've just got all of these playfield designers that have all had very, very successful games with Stern with, I threw out the scenario to make it interesting about Denisi, but I don't, I don't think they'd give him Godzilla. I think. I don't think so either. And so based off of, uh, I hate to bring it back up again, but Rob Zombie, I don't like this doesn't happen much because most people agree with me, but I really don't like it when I get that almost. Sometimes I've found some people with Rob Zombie and people's tastes are subjective, but some yeah. people will take the Rob Zombie thing and they're almost patronizing about it and suggest that if you don't like it, you don't like hard games. Like Rob Zombie's a hard game. I exactly. I, I didn't realize exactly. that Center Ramp all day long was a hard game. Exactly. When it's a shot that I, the player who, if I was at Penberg this weekend, I'd be in like the triple Q division. Can hit center ramp all day long on Rob Zombie. Sure. I think it's a mixed thing that the, it can be hard if the ball is, once you get control, center ramp all day, ball control can be difficult if you brick shots on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I can acknowledge that I'm not saying it's an easy game to have full ball control on, but it's not a good game. And the dislike for the game from most people, I think has nothing to do with the ease or the difficulty. It had to do with the geometry and the rules. And so I really worry, even if you're a super fan, when I hear about a super fan on something, 
I don't immediately think that they're going to do a good job. What I would think is the toys would probably be awesome and stuff. The yeah. look would be there. Mm-hmm. The aesthetic would scream Godzilla. I think that would all... I'm pretty confident that that could be executed. But I think every single machine Spooky has put out, the art package and the look of the... Uh, of the machine, everything the, from the side art to the play field to the background, they've done amazing on all of that. They are excellent at putting together the packages that look really, really good. Mm-hmm. But the play's not there. It's uh, most of them, yeah. I, I have to say it's felt lacking. And uh, another risk that I would see is. If you're a super fan of it, would they go overboard on the bill of materials? Oh, yeah. Probably. And, and the price be really, really high on the game. What would the limit? They like to do the limited run thing. How limited would it be? Would that make it difficult to get to play? I mean, from a Kansas City selfish standpoint, none of the operators buy spooky games anymore. Nope. So if I want to play it, it needs to be Jersey Jack or Stir because I probably won't get to play it otherwise. But I mean, just other than at a show, we right. just have to be, I mean, being honest, if everyone loves total nuclear annihilation and we can't get anyone to commit to bringing one in because they think that it will be down all the time. And there's just, you can't unring that bell. Rob Zombie rung that bell mm-hmm. and it just can't, I'm sorry. The well, and there were issues with AFM too. Sure. Not AFM, but, uh, yeah, but they didn't, have them most on they didn't have them on route. Maybe, right. some the, maybe some of the operators had experience with it though in their own collections but regardless the reputation is is what it is and that affects our ability to play and if i were to buy the money side affects my ability to buy mm-hmm. so so from a yeah from a player uh from a fan standpoint i don't really care who has it but there are certain advantages to stern having it that i for someone who's not as passionate for someone like me but anyway, it's it's generated a lot of drama. So I I don't think it was uh, I don't think it was a slight at Charlie though. I think Stern is all business and that they think that there's potential to move this. Now, if they bought the license just to sit on it, uh, well yeah, and then that in that case, I'll I'll revise my statement and say yeah, I think they did it just to deprive Spooky of a of a license. But I really question the uh, long term effectiveness of a company doing things like that just i mean there's so many good licenses i mean the first thing that a lot of people are like why don't you why doesn't spooky just do gamera you toho has gamera now also go and, and get the gamera license and it'd be better see that's right don't get me wrong i, I he's I, made a turtle i love godzilla but gamera is awesome yeah i have to admit i'd be really interested to see gamera too but but hey you know what? The, the point being is there are lots and lots of licenses like this. Or go and talk to Del Toro and try and do Pacific Rim. You know, there's all sorts of kaiju things you could do. It doesn't have to be Godzilla. Uh, you could do a great job with any of them. Yeah. So, anyway. Moving on. Next news topic. We actually have a number of news topics here. Uh, we only have two left, though. Uh, this one's brief. Chicago Gaming Company. They have finally confirmed that remake number three is Monster Bash. The information was leaking out anyway because people had sleuthed the license acquisition in the, yeah, <laughs> through the, for the governmental tracking sites. So this has surprised no one. No images or details yet other than there will be three iterations just like there were of a attack from Mars. What are your thoughts? 
I'm not surprised. I thought this. I thought this was pretty much expected. What the next one to be was probably going to be. People were starting to doubt themselves because the it was supposed to be unveiled at Texas, and right. so given it's been delayed by half a year, everyone was starting to second guess and go, maybe they had trouble getting the Universal Monsters. Maybe it's Cactus Canyon now, and they were working on the code, and that's what took so long. I mean, so there are a lot of people that were filling themselves with self doubt. Uh, Monster Bash is a great game. Yeah, and. I liked the tiers of machines they did on the AFM remake. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that the tiers are going to be the same general type thing. They're, they're going to kick out the the letter abbreviations suggested. Yeah. And I'm sure they will do great. As great as Attack from Mars and Medieval Madness? No, let's not get crazy. Well, no, I expect that it'll start to slope. They, they did the easy low hanging fruit. Right. Yeah, it's it's not it's not going to be, as, but they'll sell plenty it, as long as they didn't massively mess something up. It'll do well. Okay, let's hit the last news item then. Dutch Pinball, your favorite <sighs> company to talk. Hey, it's your favorite company to talk about. I'm going to tell you what. Yet. Not yet. Here's what the latest newsletter indicates: Dutch's attorney is on vacation until the end of August. But before he went on vacation, he did submit a reply to the Ara claim. And I guess it was large, like over 100 pages. Ara has reached out to Dutch's attorney to see if they can enter into discussions regarding an out-of-court settlement. And Dutch has agreed to that. So at the end of August, there is a meeting on the books where they're supposed to talk about and see if they can reach an out-of-court settlement. Mm -hmm. Dutch, also in the newsletter, indicated that they've been receiving more refund requests recently, but they cannot afford to do them. And that all the stuff they were selling on their website was to fund their attorney. That's what that money was for. As an interesting side note, though, I want to also specify that Dutch has indicated that the money thing is so dire, they've even stopped paying themselves a salary as of January of this year. Oh, so they were only had everything fallen apart and been lying to everybody for six months before they decided to stop paying their their own salaries. Look, I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to commentate which is a form of judgment. Let me go on. They indicated if people seeking refunds or running to their various partners, like uh, I guess Universal with the license and such, uh, that it could make them go bankrupt and that means no one gets anything. So please just trust them and their attorney to do the right thing and quit. Screw trying this to, company. And quit, and quit trying to go nope. around and, and quit trying to go around and cause trouble, Tony. No. And they did say that they do, in fact, still have the license to the Big Lebowski. It has not expired yet. I did think it was very interesting that this newsletter did not initially hit the pin side thread on the Big Lebowski like it normally does. Apparently, the pre-orderers, or they call themselves the early achievers, have gotten the, the forum to set them up a private thread where all the early achievers can talk amongst themselves and be shielded from public view and criticism. But unsurprisingly, the information leaked out in pretty short order, like within a couple hours. So what are your thoughts, Tony? They are literally holding their, their, what'd you say? It was the early achievers, the early achievers, the pre-orders. And I want to specify a number of them have felt that this newsletter is good news. So go on. Go on with what mean thing you were going to say. This is probably good for the hobby, too. Just just go on. Tell me why it's not. Tell me. They're literally holding a knife 
to the pre-orders throat. Well, they're figuratively holding a knife to the pre-orders throat. They're figuratively holding a knife to the pre-orders throats. It's stop asking for your money back or else you don't get nothing. I mean, this is this is But so, this was always implied, I felt in the other newsletters. It was implied in the it other newsletters, implied. but it's to the point they've had to go from implying it to flat out saying it. This is like so sad death gasp falling just destruction that i feel bad for the people with pre-orders the 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 early achievers the 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 mm, we're a family podcast so i uh, half the words that come to my mind i don't want to use mm-hmm. are they're just getting they're getting boned like terribly badly and we've all known it we've said it it's not like it's a secret that they've been just getting completely screwed but now the company is literally stepping up and they're saying you shut up you sit down i will do what i want when i want and if you're lucky maybe i'll give you something wow that's what it is this is literally this is that episode of cops where you see the lady running out, blood running down her nose, holding her broken arm and her black eye going, but I love him. Don't put him in jail. I love him. That's what this is. And people oh, are man. happy. They think this is good news. I don't. I, all right. No. The reason no, why. No. Let me, all right. Couple, couple clarifications. First, I believe. This is an assumption, but I believe the reason why that mention about the don't go around to the other partners thing has come up is reports did come out publicly that some of the other early achievers have successfully gotten refunds. And there have been complaints that they're not fully spilling the beans on how they did it. The response from some of them has been, there's nothing more to say. We just really ratcheted up the threats, basically. Yeah. So there's not like a a guide to here's how you always can get a refund. There have been repeated multiple accounts of people that have been able to leverage something and convince Dutch that it's better to pay them out than to keep them in. So that might be a way to try and kind of discourage that. The other aspect as to why they seem to have a number of early achievers who were excited is that thing about the out-of-court settlement. Some of them have taken that and have leapt to the conclusion that this means Ara has, in the face of seeing the 100-plus page response from Dutch Pinball's attorney, Acknowledge that they don't have a case. They're going to try and settle so that they don't get destroyed in court. And that's where the excitement comes from. But I love him. I think that at least in U.S. courts, it is completely standard to do an attempt at an out-of-court settlement. Yeah. When I went to small claims court with my ongoing garnishment, before the garnishment stuff, when I first went there, most of the people had the debtor or at the time the defendant and the plaintiffs show up and what did the judge do told all of them to go out and talk before making him or at that time it was her make a decision that you should try and work it out and they had mediators on staff to help people try and reach compromises because all court systems would rather you settle than go through the entire long expensive process I don't think this means anything other than Ara did their action. They got their response. Let's see if we can sit down and work something out. 
doesn't mean RO's terms have changed from when they wanted 51% of the company. No. Uh, it might mean that their terms have changed and they're willing to negotiate and just take 90% now. Who, who knows? It could be anything. But that's what they seem to have latched onto. And the reason why this newsletter was not initially put out because there were early achievers who were saying, basically asking, don't, don't post this in the public thread. In the public thread, they were saying this was because they knew the naysayers and they would call you a naysayer, Tony, would latch on to that whole, oh, well, they only stopped paying themselves this year and use that as an argument that they squandered money and would, and that this is a negative. It is a negative. Yeah, it is. There isn't a positive in here. Out-of-court settlements happen all the time, especially with with corporations at that level. It, it's all the whole, oh, we've got attorneys and we're suing you. It's a threat. And the whole point of the threat is to pull them into arbitration and out-of-court settlement. Neither side wants to go to the courts. Mm-hmm. They want to figure out something that they can settle in arbitration outside. That's what they really want. The courts are just the baseball bat that forces the other side to come to the plate and actually talk. Sure. That's all this is. This is, no, I full on completely convinced at this point that these people who are, who are so defending this and think stuff like this is a good thing are, you know, battered spouses who don't know any better. You feel there's some delusion. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it for news. See, it wasn't that You can prove me wrong. No. I would love to be proven wrong at some point about this when it comes to the end. I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't think it's going to happen. Don't get your hopes up, Tony. Oh, my hopes aren't up. There are plenty of people. I think everyone could tell that. (laughs) I think everyone is well aware of your stance on this situation. (laughs) If they weren't sure from the last year and a half of our discussions, I think you probably articulated it fairly pointedly by this point. (laughs) So let's talk about something a little happier, or at least as just as crazy. That is creative pinball rules. Okay. <laughs> so this was some stupid idea that popped into my head after. Gosh, we're mentioning Steve a lot today. All right. So Steve Hill. So Steve is our non-existent, our, not actually yeah. here Steve, so we, guest. Yeah, yeah. Steve should have been guest host, but he's out at Pinburg right now. But all right. Steve is one of our, he's a top area player. He's really, really knowledgeable in, on rules. And we get into discussions on Facebook from time to time. Uh, often talking about pinball-related topics. Mm-hmm. Well, out of the blue, he shared with me a link to a YouTube channel called The Dragon's Tomb, which I have a link to in the show notes. It's really, really good. And what that the guy who does The Dragon's Tomb does is he takes a tabletop or a board game and he reinvents the rules to it. And just and it's totally deadpan. Uh, like the latest one is Battleship. Where, oh, I haven't yeah, seen that one. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's the latest one. And in Battleship, instead of, as everyone probably listening should hopefully know, in Battleship, you call out the letters and you're trying to sync all the battleships. In his version of Battleship, they all start in a row and it's a race and you have vanilla and cherry popsicles and you're using sugar rushes to try and get the ships to, and he makes them all out into a full set of rules that in theory, actually you could play the game that way. It yeah. would be a terrible game, but you could play it that way. <laughs> and so, I just thought, that's a really cool idea. I'm not creative. So let me steal that and see <laughs> if I could do something sort of, pin, sort of like that for pinball. But my thinking was instead of changing all the rules in the pinball machine, 
instead to toy around with the themes themselves and just kind of misinterpret the themes. So what I did is as of yesterday, and there'll be a link in the show notes, I kind of put together a pilot episode using Atari Superman. And I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, it's, it's really stupid. I don't know if I'm going to do anymore. I call that a pilot episode, but I'm sitting there, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't like talking in a camera. I don't know what to do with my hands. So I just have my hands clasped. Oh, that actually worked. Okay. For this specific thing, okay. Okay. the way I, you I, had I, your hands well, clasped and setting in front Dragon's of you. Tomb and that's kind of what he does. Yeah. No, no, so, no, 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 no. That I mean, he and, puts the, his hands and the look but... you were giving the camera and yeah. everything, it came off really well for this specific okay. thing. Well, now, if you uh, were doing like a vlog or a okay. daily talk or yeah. trying to talk, it probably would have come off well, a little I, rough. I didn't, I didn't have my pipe, so I couldn't just sit there. <laughs> and like, so I, I just, I completely misinterpret the point of Superman and I, misdescribe the rule. I mean, the rules are actually what you do want to shoot for. I went ahead and stuck with that, but I, what you were doing, I described wrongly. So it's only a few minutes long, but anyway, I I threw it together and I just thought that was, it was, I really liked the idea. And once I wrote the script, I was pretty pleased with the script. And then the whole process sucked balls. (laughs) Holy crap. I will, if I were to do any more, I need to do it with someone else to help me. Cause it was like, I had to take a, like a stack of Xbox 360 games to get my camera up high enough. And I, I can't see it cause I'm not doing it in selfie mode. So that right. I not stutter on the video. And then I'd record and then I'd see, well, that's wrong. I need to change this. And I'm trying to read. And then it's just like, no, I can't. I'm just going to have to memorize the script. <laughs> I was like, what am I an actor now? I didn't go into that. So that was a uh, creative pinball rules so, link in the show. Notes. I enjoyed it. Okay. Well, I'm hoping you'll enjoy this final pinball segment we have. Yeah. I, I, I like this when I was going through our notes and putting stuff together. This, this is real. inspired by Mrs. Penn. Thank you, Mrs. Penn. You have, you have inspired me. And so my inspiration is we're going to play another, we're going to play a game. And I've, because again, I'm not creative. I'm stealing this from a video game podcast I used to listen to called the Link Cable Podcast. Don used to be a, a host on that show, and they used to play 20 questions at the end, except I hated how they did it. And that's not why I quit listening. I had to quit listening because one of them was always recording from a helicopter. And I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't hear him. So the, uh, but it was, I thought it was a really cool idea. And so what I'm going to do is I will have a pinball machine. And Tony, if those who aren't familiar with 20 questions, is you get to have 20 guesses. Right. Here are the, here are the basic rules on terms of how I thought was reasonable to, to work it out. All the questions are yes or no. That's standard 20 question rule. Uh, each guess of, of the answer does require a question. So remember to at least leave the 20th question to name a machine. Uh, I'm not going to ever ask you to distinguish between like a pro and a premium LE. It's not going to be that nitpicky. So don't worry about that. The, but understand that if you ask about like a feature or something and it's on one of those versions, I may say yes or no. It just depends whichever one I'm using as the example. Uh, I am going to say I do my, it's not going to be a total gotcha. It will be a game you've played at least at a show. So if I don't know if you've ever played the game, I'm not going to name it. But if I know you've played it, regardless of how many times, it's in contention. Okay? Okay. And uh, I may ask for clarification if your question is too open-ended. It won't consume. 
any clarification yeah. stuff doesn't consume points on you. So I just wanted to make that clear. And finally, uh, I'm going to say the game is it's going to be closed book for the first 15. But if you want to start doing searches on the last five questions, I'll allow it. Okay. Out of because I'm not the goal is for you to get it. I mean, I don't. I know I don't want you to get it, but I, I want you to feel like you had a you had every. You want me to feel like I had right, a real right. chance, but I don't. You know, it's too easy with searching because unlike with video games, there's so few in any given manufacturer, any given year that it becomes very easy to just start using a lot of questions to rapidly narrow. Especially right. if I were to do more modern stuff. So anyway, so that's the stuff. Let me go to my page because naturally I could not put the game in the show notes. That would have made yeah. it too. You just put a little note here that says, haha, no notes. Yes. <laughs> Haha, no notes. Okay. So, and don't worry, I'll, I'll keep hashtags here as well to keep track of the question count. Tony, whenever you're ready, ask your first question. Do you own it? No. Is it a Stern? No. Is it a Gottlieb? Yes. Was it from the 90s? Yes. Was it in our worst games of the late 90s? Poll. No. Fifteen questions left. There's lots of dead air here because I'm thinking, trying to think. Every question I think of, it's well, not yes might, or no. That might all get edited out. Yeah. So don't fret. Don't fret about the dead air. <laughs> I I usually tighten that stuff up when it's too long. I I didn't on some of the Mrs. Penn stuff because it needed to like when she goes Bueller. I needed to yeah. leave that in. Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah. of the other ones I trimmed up because no one wants to listen to that. See, I'm concerned. Just think your podcast, just, just like, did, did my podcast player stop working? Um, is it from the early 90s, 90 to 95? Yes. Has it been on location here in Kansas City for tournament play? That's a very broad question, Tony. I'd have to say I can't answer because I don't know because I haven't been to all tournaments. Has it been... On location in Kansas City when we've been somewhere together? No. Did I enjoy the game? I can't answer your personal reactions <laughs> to games. Okay. Is it Stargate? No. Is it science fiction themed? No. Is it pool themed? No. You have half your questions consumed. Ten to go. Is it licensed? No. Should have asked that one first. That would have saved me like five questions. Is it sports themed? Yes. Is it street level? No. Does Todd own it? <sighs> I I don't know everything that he owns, so... Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so I don't want to burn a question on you where I don't know what he's got in storage versus right. what's in... Understandable. Did we play it in Texas? Yes. Gosh, we played so many games. And note that you didn't say which year of Texas, so I've included all of them. Yeah, I I figured. I just didn't want to burn three questions on no, it. No, no. It at least lets you know something. This is totally not a question okay, for that. That's fine. When I once this is figured out, am I gonna kick myself for not realizing this almost instantly? I don't think kick yourself okay. for almost instantly, no. Well that's good at least. Does it have more than two flippers? Yes. Five questions left. Does that mean I can go to outside help now? Or is that four questions? Yeah. I'm thinking I may have to pull that rule uh, in the future, but it's definitely that... allowed this time. 
Because that because that cuts it down a lot. I've d- cut it down a lot. You have, as you're supposed to, with with all these things. But I think you did good going with a Gottlieb because Gottliebs are the ones I know the least. Like off the top of my head, mm, right? Because I've got a couple of ideas, but one of them I'm pretty sure isn't actually a Gottlieb. <laughs> I just can't remember. I may have to put a search time limit on it, though. Well, yeah, no, no, I, yeah, that, that's understandable. I just, uh, <laughs> the problem is I'm looking at all these games. It's like, I haven't played that game. 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 And you said it wasn't one of those. Um, is it Gladiator? No. Four questions. Interesting. God, they put out so many games that I didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely one you should take out the ability to let me look it up. Though I would have thought this would have cut it down. Oh, is it teed off? It is teed off. You got it on the 17th question. Teed off. Good job. That I actually, without the ability to look it up, I wouldn't have gotten that one because mm. I wasn't thinking teed off was Gottlieb for some reason. Oh, okay. It had crossed my mind. But I dismissed it because I was I was I don't know I wasn't thinking it was Gottlieb. Yep, it was uh, a couple of years after the Street Level series was over. It has three flippers, so that met that part. Obviously, yep. it's a sports theme that is not and it's not pool, so it met that. Um, 1993 being in the early 90s. Yep, Premier Technology, which ran the Gottlieb brand, so met that criteria. And I think everything else was narrowing down from other various yeah. things that relate to all of that. So that's kind of how it fit. So there you go, folks. That was our game. 17. So you got it. Yeah. yeah. I definitely wouldn't have gotten that without the ability to look on Penn side. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's one I didn't know of you. I figured it was one you'd remember playing. I remember but... playing it, but I didn't remember that it was a Gottlieb. I was thinking it was somebody else for some reason. I don't know why, because it's so terrible. Of course it was a Gottlieb. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I had to hedge when I was like, did I like it? It's like, not that I remember you didn't, but what do I know? In your mind, who knows what's going Who knows like, what you thought who knows deep down in your soul? Just like, I don't know if Todd happens to have one in storage. He definitely doesn't have it in his playing room. See, that's what I should have asked if it was in the playing room. Uh, okay. It still wouldn't have helped because, yeah. Well. I've so blocked that game out that when, even if I'd asked, is it a golf game? I probably would. It would have taken me a while to think of it because I just. Uh, I thought at least once it came to the searching, once you knew the manufacturer and that it was a sport that you'd pro- you could in probably, a five year range. Yeah. Even if it was a, a 10 year range, you could probably in theory go down then as long as the names were obvious enough that they were sports probably right. have gotten it because most of them I was like because uh, that's what I was looking at I was like sports 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 I've right. never played that one right I've and that's a complication that with the game one. like if I were to do one that was like if I used the year 2000 there are only two pinball machines right. so if you let people look that's the part I had. but I thought for the first yeah. time we should do it so that there was a all all chances were in your favor so you did it you still Yay! have questions to go good job Tony so we're ready for the video game segment we're going into video games. And I thought the first one we should start with was one that you wanted to discuss. And this way, Don will have to mute it for a little bit. Sorry, Don. And then has to come back. It's not so sorry, Don. You're not going to be convenient. That would be uh, Overwatch League because it just wrapped up yesterday. 
Yep. All that's left is the All-Star game at the end of August. And like the All-Star game in every other sport, nobody actually cares. Yeah, it's just for fun. Right. So I was curious to hear from you your thoughts on not just how things have ended. Because I know we've lightly touched on League shortly after it started. And like all things Overwatched, we've tried to avoid it since. But with how big of an impact this seems to be having on esports in total and how big of an impact I know it had for us uh, on our time and everything. I thought it would be good to get a good overview for the whole season, what you and I both think of it, how we think things are going in the future, and of course just how the way it's run what works and what we think could stand some changes. Okay. So I thought I'd open it up. And one of the things that I know had a major effect on your chosen team to root for Mm -hmm. uh, is how they change the meta uh, or how they change the game based upon the patches that have been released. So unlike some older esports like League of Legends, where the rules have not changed in like years and all that's out is new players, or uh, Counter-Strike Go, where literally nothing has changed in 15 years. It's a continuously evolving and changing meta and things that work well for a team and work well, well for all teams in one stage when they go to another stage and the meta changes might not necessarily work. And personally, well, actually, before I get into that, I'm going to ask you what your thoughts are on having the multiple stages in the season, the meta changing throughout the season, as opposed to having just one solid meta for the whole season. What you think and what you feel about that. I'm fine with it. <clears throat> I I think four stages is a bit long. It's probably my issue. It just, it feels really, really long. And I, I guess it's okay. Cause I know part of the, part of my issue was I would often just watch that night. If I was only watching my own team, it wouldn't be a big deal. Right. So I'm, I'm okay with that. The, because here's my, my thinking is it's not the goal to constantly change the meta. And I, and other sports don't have to deal with that. But that being said, you want the most balanced version and a game that's, it's a game. So it's evolving. It lives. New characters come in. New mm-hmm. maps come in. And I think those sort of things need to come into play. So, I mean, when they started it, did we really want stage one mercy meta to be the meta for the entire season where everyone was playing the exact same team comp constantly? And it was just about who would better, uh, get back from their losses because of all the resing that was going. It was, wasn't the most enjoyable to watch. Uh, the only real objection, and yeah, the New York uh, XL had trouble adapting away from dive, but that's their own fault. They should have, yeah. they should have practiced it more instead of playing Minecraft when they were sitting on top. I, that was their decision. You know, they, they're used to choking out at the end. That was their rep before they got into, uh, into the league. My one thing where I do strongly object to what they did was stage four, however. That Hanzo meta that was on the live server for 48 hours should never have been the stage four patch where you had old school Hanzo 
with his scatter arrow and, and, but you had all the other changes it seemed and it was barely live at all. It should, they should have adopted whatever is on the live servers on the live competitive. That should be whatever's going in my view should be the stage meta. And from the press releases I've read, that was a big complaint and there was a lot of stuff they heard about it. And it sounds like that's going to be what they are targeting. Okay. From it now was on. ridiculous now, I do because understand they had plenty of time. They, they had, had that's the thing. I know the excuse they gave, but they had plenty of time to fix it because there was something that made the, there, there was supposed to have been something in it in the latest patch that had, that was causing issues that made it non-viable for tournament play. I, I did hear about that. Um, and but they that, had time to fix that it. That stinks, but you know what? They were okay with pushing that out off of the PTR onto the live server, right? And I so, think that would that that's completely so, on Blizzard. So if you're willing to do that, I think that should be it. Should be what's what's the stage meta, so, right? Otherwise, no. I was I was fine with the I was fine with it. It's just as, if the game that's going to slow up as the game matures, and they in theory, if they stop adding content, that will right. start to go away. But. That sort of patching, we see that in fighting game tournaments that happen throughout a season. They keep with the, it's the latest patch. Yeah. So I thought that was fine. Okay. Because I've heard some people, specifically people that I've talked to in person who are not esports people and who are not necessarily video games people, but because of how much I've talked about it and uh, because it uses the overall, uh, the, the per city, each, each team has a city and they're this and that. Like, so it feels to them like a real sport type setup. Right. And I had quotation marks going up there when I said that. I guess nobody can see it because it's, you know, a podcast. Yeah, probably. But for that reason, some people looked and they gave it a try. And when I described and described changes like that, a lot of people were like, I don't understand how that works. Why would you change the rules on the game in the middle of a season? I think it works. I think it's a video game thing that mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to change the rules on baseball between the seasons. And I, baseball is kind of the sport I equate Overwatch to because of the, how long it runs and the amount of games played. I think baseball is probably the better tie in than something like football where there's 16 games over 16 weeks. Cause this is six months. They basically played for six months and they were playing a lot of games a week. And I think that's part of the problem is that I was like you. A lot of the time, I was watching every game, especially through stage one and stage two. Stage three and stage four, I was down to uh, the point where I was only watching half the games. I was watching the London Spitfire because they're my chosen team. And I was watching all of the Valiant games because they're my oldest daughter's chosen team. And even there, we started missing some games. Now, I think some of the problems they had... Uh, on so on the meta changes and this and that, I'm fine with. I think it's solid, and I don't really see a problem with it, other than the ones you've already said. I do think they could do a little work on some of the other stuff, like some of their some of their gaps between games or uh, between stages. I understand the gaps, but like between stage four and the playoffs was just long enough that I completely forgot about it the first day they came mm. back. Okay. Yeah, that's... And that's I, I, got, I mean, I didn't, like, completely forget. I knew it was coming up, but I was busy. I had something going on, so I did. I missed it. And that's on me, not on them. I just could see some of their breaks are seem to be a little large at times. But on the other time, they're 
every team is playing twice a week. So they're playing a lot. And that's like baseball. You can't watch every baseball game because there's a lot of them and they happen like seven days a week. Yeah. So I think a lot of that's going to be just a fans finding the balance. Um, from all indications, they did well. They did very well. Mm-hmm. By the time uh, finals came around and the grand finale came up, uh, they had picked up uh, multiple sponsors. Uh, they actually got aired on television. I mean, they went to ESPN, ESPN two, of course, but it's still ESPN. Uh, they were, the finals were being aired on Disney XD. Uh, they had some ABC airing. So there was some actual live television sharing, which has happened before in esports. Um, uh, I know with ESPN has aired some of the larger League of Legends tournaments in the past, but for something like this, it's, a big step up uh, in the esports world. And I think that it's going to go a long way towards helping esports grow out of uh, the kind of dark shadow. That's not a sport. Why would you watch people play that? It's like, you play darts. You play in dart tournaments. You watch dart tournaments on like ESPN the Ocho. Why are you talking about somebody playing a video game? It's the same thing. It's like, I think it's a, it has to do with an interest thing. But do you think this is a success that's going to carry on into season two or perhaps even carry on not just for the Overwatch League, but in, for other esports that have as much of a excitement factor to give them a chance to move from the, hey, we're watching on Twitch little sideshow into the realm of more widely known. It depends on the game. Because this is a team game and so they structured it like a team sport, that I think is what allowed it to drive this organization around City, I think was the smart move. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to work for things like fighting games, for example. And while ESPN has aired the... Street Fighter Finals at Evo, I think, in 2017, for example. So you can get those games to have that, have big exposure attention. I, most video games are 1v1. They're not that team stuff. And I think the 1v1 thing, it's like tennis. There are going to be some people that won't miss a Serena Williams match, but it's just always going to be small potatoes compared to team sport. Right. People are, because more people play on team sports because you don't have to be the greatest at everything. They're different positions, they're different roles. It just, so it might, we might see some other, you know, there could be some things. We might see some more play on some of the other shooters, for example. That's the other thing is it's a popular genre that yeah. really helps some of the other genres like, uh, real time strategy are much more niche in terms of the number of people who play them. So, but overall, yeah, I think you'll see some, some other games will ride the coattails of this. But I think if you really want any particular game to grow, like we've seen Overwatch grow, the company has to be pushing it. And Blizzard was all in on this and they, they really worked it, really worked it to make it reputable. They, and I, I, I agree with you. And I think they did a good job. They did a good, they had good PR people. Uh, they push good PR. I know there was a lot of, uh, talk early on about 
how, uh, especially in stage one, there was a lot of not necessarily as well thought of concerns about it. I heard a lot of this is terrible, yada, yada, yada. Uh, most of that had to do with like casting the casters and oh, yeah. this and that. You can but, tell how they, it really evolved from, uh, and so some of this is the subtle little things like the casters, like there was no dress code. So they all wore ra- radically different things. Mm-hmm. People were there in shirts, uh, or suits and other people were there and it looked like maybe they were walking in off the beach and you were like, what's the, What's the vibe here? Is this supposed to be like frat party or is this supposed <laughs> to be super serious? It got so rigid in my view. They all started seeming to wear the same sort of styles yeah. at the same times, which may have been a bit overboard. Uh, another thing that was really prevalent in stage one, somewhat prevalent in stage two, and then dramatically dropped off was the profanity from the casters. Yes. They had a bad habit of slipping into profanity and it appeared to be that there was no policy against it. Well, Again, if you're oriented it towards being a family spectator sport, you know, I swear all the time, but you just, you can't, you just need to be, that's not, it's not professional. So you just need to be professional. If you want to be treated like NFL, they don't swear on the air. So you gotta, you gotta step it up. Right. So, and some of it were just growing pains from, I think at least a third of those casters were not very familiar with Overwatch. And we just had to watch and wait for them to learn the game better. Yeah, because a lot of them were just, they were just like, they were this is a well-known yeah. pro esports caster. Yeah. We're yeah. going to bring them in and go, hey, here's a salary to come be our caster. Sure. But, you know, I, people like Crumbs, Mr. X, they were not strong on Overwatch. No. Uh, but they got better. Yeah. I do like how they have not only worked that out, but how they've worked the, uh, they've kind of figured out which of the casters and which of the commentators work best together. Mm-hmm. And they shuffled things around, they've shuffled things around. So there's actually good, uh, personality ties. Cause I know, especially in stage one, sometimes there would be very, you'd get a very different vibe off of the two. It seemed like people, they almost, I won't, don't want to say they didn't like each other, but they just didn't mesh mm-hmm. as well. And some of that could be working together. I think that's gone a long way to helping it become what, how professional seeming as it is and how much they've pushed it. Um, I know that they started with 12 teams this year. There are going to be six expansion teams going into season two. And we have just received in the last couple of days the announcement of one of those expansion teams is definitely going to be Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And yeah. with with Overwatch being a worldwide thing, even with it being a worldwide thing, there is a large number of North American teams. And let's be real, there's a large number of American teams. Uh, the majority of the 12 original teams are American teams. It makes sense for the start. For the six expansion teams, I know the general plans that have been put online is that there will be two North America teams and the other four will not be in North America. But so we have a firm announcement of an Atlanta team. Um, the very strong rumors in final negotiations are for Paris and Ginjo, I can't pronounce it, China. No, maybe Gungzo Gung, or something. Gungzo. I, I haven't read it. So yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 it's it, it's one of the the big Chinese cities 
uh, which will be the second Chinese team, uh, which will be an interesting play seeing as how well Shanghai did in stage one. Uh, what do you think would be, or what, where do you think would be the best targets for those, for the, for the three remaining unknown teams? One in a two world. Uh, well, let's see. Canada doesn't have a team yet. So they're saying two North American teams. That leads me to believe Toronto would be one. Uh, and then for the other two in the world, I'm trying to think where are most of the professional Overwatch players from? So that tells me Europe would, would warrant one, could be a Scandinavian country and city like Helsinki, Finland. Scandinavia is huge in Overwatch. Yeah. So I could see, so I, I, I'd go ahead and throw out Helsinki as an option there. And then, uh, again, especially given the makeup of professional players on the Gladiators, I would not be surprised if Brazil got a team. So Rio de Janeiro. Oh. Because you have a number of, Portuguese speakers, and I think all of them are from Brazil who play in the Overwatch League. And so just judging from that, I'm extrapolating and saying the game is doing well in Brazil. Don't know if that's true or not, but that would be my, that would be my guess. I am fall very close. I think the NA team more likely than not will be Toronto. I think if it's not Toronto, it will either be Chicago or Seattle. Okay. Uh, yeah, those all are reasonable. I think, I think, I think Toronto's the number one choice for an expansion team. Uh, overseas, I would not be surprised for a, for, to have a third European team. Like you said, I think the same thing. Helsinki or somewhere, somewhere in Scandinavia, most likely, maybe Berlin. Once somewhere over there, just because in the central of Europe, I think would be highly likely. I wouldn't be surprised to see a second South Korean team. No, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me, but I, I, I just I, don't know. I expect my general thought. I'm not going to throw. I mean, well, I will throw out straight cities. I think we will get from the expansion. We will get two European cities, and I think we will get two Asian cities with the with, with uh, it's uh, Guangzhou, China is already on the short list as one of them. I think the other will either be Tokyo or another South Korean city. With Paris already on the short list, my guess would be somewhere in Scandinavia or somewhere in Central Europe for the second thing. I think South America has a strong enough showing that I would not be surprised to see them get an expansion team. I mean, this time I wouldn't be surprised, but I think they're a lock if season two goes as well as season three and we get, or a season two goes as well as season one and we get a season three and they do another round of six expansions, I think South America is a lock for, for a season three expansion. I think there are high possibility for this season, but I think two Europe, two Asia, two North America is how it's going to break down. Okay. So we'll see on that. Now we've, uh, how do you think, how do you like, uh, or dislike about how they handled the finals that we've been the playoffs and the final match, other than the fact that they should never have had DJ Khalid up there. <laughs> I missed most of his performance. Uh, the, I would have been more annoyed if I had attended in person because it sure felt like it for 
for regular season when they would have three teams back to back, best out of five to this. It could be over in three games stuff. It was just short. It, it, felt, it did feel it short. It felt like they could have compressed it. So instead of this, it, it kind of, I got, it kind of worked at first when you were still having like quarterfinals and such where mm-hmm. you'd have, all right, this group will play best out of five. And then this other two set of teams will play best out of five. And then the next day, another best out of five and maybe a third best out of five if they need it. And then the other team would do it as right. well. But, this, like, we'll do a best out of five on Friday and then one or two on Saturday. Uh, and the way it shook out, what a waste of time. Right. Now, see, that's, I, I, I agree because what brought it up was I think that they did the way they laid it out, especially here in the last couple sets and especially in the final. I think they should have probably just done, if there needed to be three best of fives, just do them all on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been my suggestion. Um doing one on Friday and then the others on Saturday just it makes for especially for people who are trying to plan for attending in person or even plan for watching on watching the stream, uh it seemed very much like a well you have to choose. Do you want to go on Friday where you know the winner won't be chosen? Or do you want to go on Saturday where the winner might be chosen? In the first hour and a half, or you might be there four hours. Right. I don't and, know. If, to me, it felt like a, a, a bad way to try and sell more live tickets. Right. And so I just, I didn't think it worked. I didn't think it made, especially given how long their regular season days were, time was not the excuse. So no. I don't know why. It was, the only thing I could see being an excuse is not wanting to do like they did at the end of the stage one finals, where they were having the actual teams play for like Four straight, yeah. nonstop. Yeah. This was better than yeah, stage one finals were the worst. So that was the worst. And they learned their lesson they there. Did. They did on that because that I was. I thought the other stage finals went fine though. I just, didn't I like did too. The, I just didn't like the finals, the grand the, finals. And that was my problem is the way they broke the grand finals up. Now with the semifinals and leading in, I thought it worked because you had another game to go to. Right. There was other than the fact that because there's like game, 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 game. Okay. That works. I think for the final final, I think everything should have been on one day. I agree. And they shouldn't bring DJ Khalid back. Yeah. He has a new album out and it's very popular. Yes. I saw that part. That that was the entire thing. Okay. And him trying to make the crowd wave their hands in the air and this oh God. It was it was it was I saw an idea on Reddit, which I agreed with, which was what they should have done and should do in the future is instead just hire a classical orchestra to play Overwatch music. Before the game, that would be just have a li- live performances of the orchestral interpretations of them, or even honestly, pick uh, hire one of the YouTube groups like Instalock or like there's like five others who've done a whole bunch of Overwatch related fun songs. Mm. Grab a couple of them and have them do their songs live, or even not do their songs live. Just get the rights from them and play the videos. Because, I mean, they're fun. And, I mean, for a while, uh, when the, early on, Overwatch was actually putting them on the launcher. So you could just, oh, hey, look, that, that looks cool. That's how I found the Instalock videos originally. So I think that was just a grab for a name. They grabbed for a big name. Uh, they got a big one. And it didn't work so hot for them. Now, uh, I do also, just as a humorous level, I like... 
how well they handled their social media for the most part. And as people know, I'm terrible at social media and I need to start studying because I'm so bad at it and I need to be better at it. But the way they did like with, with their Instagram and their background and this and that, uh, and the way they handled it and the way they got put out and the, how they get their, how well their hashtags did. And I was seeing, uh, retweets and, and, and postings from Instagram and this from people who you would never think would watch Overwatch or would care that like, 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 like actual famous people putting up and rooting for teams, yeah. which was pretty interesting to me. And I think if they can continue that. It'll be pretty good push next year. All in all, are you looking forward to season two? Yeah. Are yeah. you going to Are you going to remain an XL fan? And I, I, I'll reevaluate if Chicago gets a team because they're closer. Yeah, but I mean, I because the way I chose New York was simply that since I lived in Syracuse for school. <clears throat> That was the closest that New York City is closer to Syracuse than we are to Dallas. And that's it's as simple as that. Yeah. That was the math equation. Plus Dallas at the time they started had one of my least favorite players who I think is toxic. And so I just couldn't support them because uh, of that. Understandable. And now I actually, towards the end, I was cheering for Dallas quite a bit because they went from bunch of loser heads, toxic scrubs no not scrubs they were good players but <laughs> dallas was a team that seemed to be built around a bunch of twitch personalities instead of actually trying to get real great players and then it all started to fall apart as they all kept getting sanctioned for you know uh homophobic remarks and and uh breaking t- rules of mm-hmm. uh, playing and just all sorts of stuff and so you had all these bans and affecting fines and then it kind of fell apart once they lost that tank i disliked and then they really floundered around. And then because of meta shifts, it actually played to what strengths they just coincidentally played to what strengths they had left. And then they were kind of like the underdogs. Yeah. Like, who doesn't love a good underdog? They were a lot of fun in stage. I didn't pick New York because I knew I, I remembered a few of them from the, uh, from the world cup stuff though, or just some other games before the league started. Like I remembered Sableby and stuff. Yeah. I didn't like before uh, I started watching New York because I just thought, he was always blowing on his hand, and I thought it was some sort of like douchebag maneuver. <laughs> I didn't realize that that's just how he dries the sweat off his hand because his hands sweat all the time. I thought, oh, poor guy. <laughs> Why don't you use a cloth? What? It's a Korean thing, I guess. I don't know. So anyway, so yeah, I'm I'm not. I don't like being fair weather though, so I'll probably stick with yeah. New York. See, and I I'm like you. I didn't really like the makeup of Dallas, and I just. Being from Kansas City, I don't like supporting Dallas teams because mm. they're the closest team. That just, just like I know a lot of people who are Cowboys fans. It's like, why are you a Cowboys fan? It's America's team. That's the answer you hear so often. It's like, right, whatever. And I now, now that I was even less scientific than you when it came to picking a team. I picked the London Spitfire as my favorite team and season one champions. Yeah, purely because I was a fan. The real no, I I picked them because I liked their logo and I liked their colors mm. because I had no hard ties to anybody else. The closest tie was Dallas or Houston because they were close. They're, because they were they were the closest. So I went with London because I liked their 
colors. And I like the thing. And very quickly, it turns out that one of my favorite players in the entire league is their main tank. Because he's just fun. Well, London, you know, certain teams were like London were built with a lot of top talent designed to win championships. Yeah. Uh, you could argue all of the Korean team teams that they're not in Korea. Well, one of them is the biggest disappointment, but they were oriented around trying to win money. Uh, and then you had teams like Dallas, which I felt were organized to trying to put butts in seats, have fans. Yeah. And get, and make money on, uh, on the industry of. And here, us in the Kansas City area, that was the reputation for a very long time with the Kansas City Chiefs during the Schottenheimer years. I'm sorry, people were going into sports ball a little bit, but we brought in a lot of near retirement players like Joe Montana and stuff. And the strategy that was sort of, at least the fans felt was, we're not trying to win. We're not trying to get to Super Bowls. These are legends past their heyday, and we're bringing them in so that we'll put butts in the stadium seats and make money on ticket sales. That's what Dallas felt like to me. And then some of the other teams were built for, a lot of them were teams before. Right. And they just all kind of, cause they all work, could work together. So they were all brought in as groups. So. Yeah. They were, they were right. picked up like, like, right. New York was that way. Right. Uh, my, my, my oldest daughter, her favorite team is the LA Valiant. And she chose them because when we'd watched, uh, last year's Apex, uh, she picked a team there that she loved and they became the Valiant. And she picked a player in specific that was her favorite player in Overwatch. And he was, and he was part of Valiant. So that's why her favorite team is Valiant. Yeah. And now one thing I think it's just, it's just humorous is I know you and me and her and our, uh, uh, sometimes guest host Mike, we all picked teams very early in the league. Yes. For very different reasons, yet they all ended up in the finals. Right. Though, I'm not, you know, we'd have to ask Mike. I'm not sure. He may have started as a Dallas fan and then betrayed them and switched to Philly. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I just remember that he knew a lot of the, because Dallas had some very likable, like everyone knew Siegel and everyone liked Siegel. Right. And Mickey uh, was really popular diva. I think in... If that, if he did change and part of it may have been that because Mike plays as a diva main mostly, uh, one of the best diva players in the league is on Philly's team. So right. Could be, could be like that. Whereas solidarity. I mean, if I went that way, I would have picked Philly because Neptuno is the best mercy in the league when it comes to killing. <laughs> but, <laughs> he's not the best healer in the league, but <laughs> he's not a bad healer either. But anyway, yeah. Mine was just, yeah, based off of that proximity factor was how I de- determined it. Because I only knew from probably Apex. I remembered Sableby, uh, and that was about it. I mean, Jonak was pretty new. Yeah. Libero, I don't know. I don't care about Libero. Pine was new. This is how it was. But I think, uh, I think all in all, I think it was very good, and I'm happy it happened, and I'm honestly looking forward to the next season. And for something that's even vaguely sports related for me, that's pretty impressive because I haven't really followed sports, not even our local Chiefs, Royals. I don't care. And I haven't followed in decades at this point. Mm. I watched all the Chiefs games in high school. And most of that was because, you know, dad watched the Chiefs games. And after high school, it was because normally because uh, it was on with roommates and stuff. But as is now anymore, I watched the Super Bowl for the commercials. Mm-hmm. And that's about all. Yeah. So, all right. 
Now that we're done, Don can come back, though he won't be able to hear this to know he can come back. Maybe he's checking every... And he just now checked, so it's okay. We're done with Overwatch. We are. For now. For now. Well, I have a few video games that I'm finally going to get us caught up with that I've been playing over a vast stretch of time, but we've had so many guest hosts on, I wanted to wait till we had a time where it was just us to go through them. I'm going to open with one that I could have kind of dropped from talking about anymore, and that's Prey, because I did already acknowledge when I finished it, but I didn't really give a lot of thoughts. And the reason is I've struggled with how to articulate my feelings about the game because they're mixed. And I finally was listening to another video game podcast. I think it was Game Informer. And there was someone they had on who had played Prey and his reaction was very similar to mine. So I now know how I can best articulate it. And that is Prey, it works on a lot of levels, but it has a big flaw that really holds it back. And there are a lot of people who are huge fans of Prey. But like the, the creatures that they've got and the mimics and the, and the weird aliens, they're, they're cool. The story is, I think, ho-hum. It's okay. It's serviceable. They've tried to make it a bit of a mystery. I didn't really get into it. Uh, there are a lot of powers you can do and there are a lot of different ways you can approach any given situation. But the thing that held prey back for me ever recommending it to anyone is the combat is just not fun. Oh. That's what it is. It just doesn't feel good. And I knew when Prey came out, there was a lot of criticism on console gaming specifically that it was way too hard to fight, way too hard to hit enemies. It got retuned in a patch pretty quickly, like within the first month. But it's just it's just not fun. So you're told you can play a bunch of ways. But even when I kicked it all the way down to easy, it felt like the game was telling me, don't be run and gun. You can play any way you want. But if you play run and gun it will suck and you won't have any fun. So maybe if I wanted to stealth all the way through it, it would have been a lot more enjoyable, but that wasn't the mindset. I didn't think of it as a stealth game when I got it, but I had to do that and I didn't want to. And it was really annoying, but I was always low on all resources. And I'm like, what is this? A survival horror game? But it's not like I'm, it was just, the combat sucked. It just didn't feel, even when I had plenty of stuff, it just didn't feel good to shoot anything. So, Anyway, that was Prey. So after Prey, I moved on to The Evil Within 2. And I've spoken, I believe, about The Evil Within before. It's a survival horror game that was sort of in the vein of Resident Evil 4 at a time when Capcom wasn't doing Resident Evils like that. And Resident Evil 7 isn't like 4, but at least is really good. And actually, Capcom has had a few good Resident Evils. Well, you've always been a big Resident Evil person i as of five i never played the old ones i i've played uh code veronica a little bit but i i didn't get into the series until five and that's because i bought my 360 because i had a friend from my world of warcraft days who wanted to play co-op resident evil 5 with me and he kept badgering me until i bought the console and, <laughs> and did it and we had a lot of fun with peer it. pressure yeah it was peer pressure uh, and my mower didn't break then so i couldn't get out of it and so anyway evil within two shockingly different than evil within uh it's evil within very much the traditional kind of like i said resident evil 4 survival horror vibe evil within 2 open world style uh a lot of the enemy types are different it was fun 
It was fun, but it's it's just it's different. So if you really like Evil Within, I can't say that you'll like Evil Within too, because it just doesn't have the same atmosphere of what's around this next bend. What is going to what's going to happen to me? What are these super hard, weird bosses? It's got some hard bosses and some weird creatures that you have to fight. But a lot of it is, oh, well, here are some of the monsters. So do I want to stealth by them? Do I want to lure them out and kill them one by one? Or do I just want to fight them all at once? You, you know, choose your own adventure. It's open. Hey, look, there's supplies all over the place in this. You're almost in a matrix in this game. It's yeah. Like, oh, well, there are these supplies from other people who have gone in. Do I want to go and pick up the supplies or not and upgrade my character? I mean, it's kind of, it's got it, these more, the, the, upgrading the character was a part of the first game as well, but this, finding the supplies and like expanding your ammo pouches and stuff, it was just, they kind of went in a different direction with it. It's kind of an uncharted kind of a, Yeah, like light. You know, yeah. those RPG light elements, like they decided to double down on that aspect and reduce the horror aspect in exchange. There's a lot of emphasis on choosing to avoid or fight enemies uh, and different approaches and just journeying around in these fairly open areas that uh was quite a, just quite a different take for the game. It works. I thought the story was fun. You're playing the same character as you were in the first game. It um it's just different. I didn't like it as much, but I I did enjoy it. I got through it like in 3 or 4 days cuz I was having a lot of fun with it. So, another another good game. I I hope they continue with with that series, I suppose, but would you prefer it was more like the first one, more like the second one, or would you like him to do something completely different? Maybe they just make the completely different style game each time. Uh, I prefer it probably like the first one. I'm not, if they want to try something radically different again, but still be survival horror, I'm, I'm all ears and Even eyes. Even within three. Sure. RTS. And I'm not saying it's a 4X. Just it's keep, a 4X. keep it in the same u- universe if you want. It doesn't have to be the same character anymore, but make it, you can make it different doesn't have to i don't need i don't have any attachment to the characters so yeah uh so after that was time for a zombie game but not really survival horror and that would be dead rising 4 holy crap what a cornball game all the dead risings have been well one wasn't as corny they've all been they've all had silly elements one kind of always reminded me of dawn of the dead it was it's almost like a a statement on malls and consumerism and sort of in, impact in that game. Some people love Dead Rising 1. I, I played through it multiple times, but I don't love it. The AI for your, for the survivors was pathetic. It was frustrating. The camera mechanics felt gimmicky and all of the psychos were like almost impossible fights. It was just, it was really hard, yeah. really hard. And then there was Dead Rising 2, which tried to be updated Dead Rising 1 and the survivors actually knew how to survive better you i mean you find them in one and you're like how did you guys live at all i can't even get (laughs) you back to the safe room so there's that dead rising 3 is actually my favorite because that's when they embrace the corn and they just let you start having a lot of fun massacring zombies and that was the the, well it was a launch title for the xbox one and they had some spinoff games as well this one uh I liked the story because it was so stupid and you're back with Frank West and they made the camera work better and stuff, but I didn't like it as much as three. I just thought it was a little, I was running around doing story mode, story mode, story mode. And there were, there was plenty of open world that you could do. You start in the mall, but in reality, it's an entire town. Uh, The psycho fights were super easy though. 
Even Dead Rising 3, the psychos had to be respected. In this, no. I didn't lose a psycho fight at all. I think I died three times the entire game. And I was on default settings. So it it was fun. Uh, it was weird. Uh, it's the one thing, though, the huge mark against it. Anytime I had to pause, like if I want to get a drink or anything, I just push the button to go to the menu. Christmas music. Just constant oh. Christmas music. Oh, I no. hate, I hate Christmas music. And it stems, I used to, when I was in high school, I worked at a bank and we had to have after Thanksgiving, the Christmas music channel on all the time. I just, I hate, I even like Mannheim Steamroller. I hate all Christmas music now. I just hate it. It's ruined for me. I despise it. And this was just awful. It's all like creative interpretations of crap. <laughs> It's crap. <laughs> so if you don't like Christmas music, do not play this game. <laughs> so that's Dead Rising 4. And since then, I went back to drive. I'm now caught up with my every game people got me for Christmas and my birthday. I, I've done all of them now. So I'm caught up. So I've gone back to Dragon Ball Fighters, the fighting game. Fighters. Right. Because I only got through the first act. Right. And I am now on, I think, I don't, I think I'm on the second act still. I don't know. It feels longer than the first, but so I'm playing through the story, which it's got its silly Dragon Ball story. And I like that. I forgot completely how to play, but it's been all right. <laughs> so I've been doing that some. And then Don, who we've mentioned several times and may not now hear this, he got me Everspace. Yeah. He tried to gift it to me, but I, he asked for my email address. So I gave him my normal email address to communicate with me, not my email address that I'm, my Xbox accounts associated with. So then not he your just, super secret yeah. email address. No, it's, it's my, my, I don't use it anymore, but it's the, it's the, your accounts associated with whatever the original email address was, no matter what you tie it to now. Right. And so he, he sent me the money and said, buy Everspace. It's on sale. <laughs> so I bought it. Everspace. Are you familiar with it? Uh, just from you telling me about it okay. earlier. It's a, it's a wing commander roguelite. So yeah, actually when I first played it, I got destroyed. Like it was still giving me a tutorial instruction when my ship was, ex- it was telling me how to repair my ship and my ship exploded and I died and I got my first achievement for it, for dying. And I thought, holy crap, I don't remember how to dogfight anymore. <laughs> I don't know if I can play this. Uh, any money you find, you can then spend on permanent upgrades, but any money not spent is lost. So it works on that. I went and got through the first area now. So I've only played it a few times since then, but I see why Don suggested it to me. If you are a fan of Wing Commander combat style, this game seems to meet that. It's been so long, I don't remember it well, but it seems to meet all of that. That's gonna have to shortlist this yeah. game then. So it was, and it was like twelve bucks. So it's, uh, so yeah. So I've been actually I've been playing that more recently than I have Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah. And other than that, uh, obviously, uh, I've worked a little bit on Overwatch because they introduced a new tank, the Hamster Guy Hammond. So that's what I've been doing on video games. I have been playing one video game and i'm just going to mention it we're not going to talk about it because i want we'll have a very in-depth discussion about it when i finish it right and that is i finally picked up uh shadow of war okay yeah so, what, once you're comfortable with it let me know because i got a lot we can yeah because as you know i've i've played it so i mean i will i mean i mean i'm right at what i assume what i am assuming to be the end of act two okay and I enjoy it a lot more than the first one. 
good. I like the first one a lot. I enjoy this one more. I find the I find that the uh, uh, changes to the Nemesis system it seems to work better. It does, and some of the interesting characters that are created from it are awesome. And some of them, I really kind of felt bad killing them. And I got very happy when it turns out that I'd failed to kill them because they were awesome. <laughs> I especially like the bards and the troubadour orcs who sing to you while they're trying to kill you. Those are probably my favorites. Mm-hmm. I had one who turned into my nemesis for a while. He came back like three times. Yep. But I've been pretty happy with it. Cool. Uh, but our last major thing is what's turning into a once a year <laughs> uh, comment for like every year running. The game that started as such a huge hope and turned into such a giant pile, No Man's Sky, got yet another major update. Ooh. Now, this update, they call it Next. And what's impressive to me about this update is that it has actually changed its rating on Steam. Wow. It went from mostly negative to mixed. Okay, so it's had a significant impact. There's been, a, yeah, it, it's been it's been huge. They've added in, I'm not even going to come close to touching everything they've added in. They've done so much stuff. They've completely revamped the crafting system, as in the crafting system is an actual crafting system, whereas uh, I'm completely stealing this line because it's so good. The old crafting system used to be that you would beat up the ground and you would beat up rocks and you would beat up sticks and you would take their broken corpses and jam them into stuff and it would fix stuff. Wow. Now there's an actual crafting system. Okay. Which could be good, could be bad. Uh, it has actual real multiplayer capability now. Oh, yes. A, a promised feature. A promised feature that was a lie. Uh, it has actual multiplayer capability. You can co-op play with friends if you have friends who've bought this game, which you probably don't, or at least probably are not willing to try it again. And they've added, they've made numerous changes to how the things are created procedurally. They've made numerous changes. Uh, to like the animals, cause it used to be there were tons of huge animals everywhere and animals are more realistic. There's less of the giant ones, more of small ones. And they're not nearly as common as they used to be. Every single thing I've read about this says this is a really, really good update to a really, really bad game. And it is going a long way towards making the game in better. More like what people were hoping it would be at the beginning. And that's what really gets me about this is we're, what, three years in? Yeah, I don't remember. At least two. We're two years in for sure. Because the game released a year later when we talked about it last year when I actually bought it was when the first big update came, which made a lot of stuff better. And it was okay. And I played it some. And now this big update has come. And I'm going to... My plan is to give it a really good in-depth play now once I get down with Shadow of War. Okay. So you, this is enough that you're willing to go back. Do I'm you, willing, do I'm you willing think to, most people will? Pro, I'd say probably not, but there are enough people out there because the changes in the change from mostly negative to mixed isn't just from new purchases. There have been a large number of people who have been changing their rating 
from negative to at least neutral or positive. Yeah, that's the element that that surprises me is I would have thought my my reaction when I heard about this was why bother? It's too late. Your your reputation was was set, but mm-hmm. it looks like people who are not me are willing to go back. Maybe they felt cheated and they still have hope that hey, maybe this game could become good. And we have seen fortunes reverse before. The first Destiny had a DLC pack that totally revitalized a game that was seen by many as poorly executed with yeah. little to do. And then they made all the mistakes, maybe not all the same mistakes, but more mistakes with Destiny 2. But so, okay. Well, that, yeah, that's good. I actually, I heard another on another video game podcast, uh, them talking about the, the changes and people's reaction and the reaction of the person who was describing it, who had put in the most time was much like the Steam reviews, mixed. Mm-hmm. Liked a lot of the stuff, but a lot of it just seemed like late delivery on certain promises and other aspects still just weren't fun. Right. So. And that seems to be what I'm seeing, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm willing. It sounds good enough. I will give it another go. We'll see if it works. If it doesn't, I'm just impressed they're still working on it. Yeah, I am too. I'm, I'm very surprised. I mean, I've seen major triple A games that were way better and way more popular than this that get dropped long before. They're two years into making major, massive, game-changing Yeah, th- around this time, EA would have been turning off the servers if it was a Madden. Well, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's... We'll see how that ends up going for them. I'm just still kind of impressed by the fact that they're going. Yeah. Well, I think we made it to the end of the show again. I think We're so. survivors. For listeners, if you want to reach out and interact with us, there's always our email address, eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. We also are on facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're on Twitter. Don't use Twitter. And Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. And hey, if you've got links to good uh, uh, learning how to really manage social media well stuff, you might send it to me because I need the help. And beyond that help, we don't, we'll be back in two weeks. Don't know if we'll have help with that, uh, episode or not. I've, I've been in talks with a few people from a while ago about whether or not they want to come on. I've not been pushing. I've, at the end of that, when, when we're at the start of the next year, I think what I'll do is I'm going to go back and I'll analyze because we've had more guest hosts this year than we have in any other year. Oh yeah. We've had what? And, we've had like, like, like six or seven yeah. in a row. And so, uh, I'll see who won. Which one had the most listeners? <laughs> Which one? That's right, guys. And then go back and it's plug. It's a competition now. It's, it's a competition. Go back and plug your own episodes. <laughs> the old ones. Uh, so I, cause I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't go back and, and look and, and compare them all yet, but I will for that. Uh, but we're still a few months away from that. So until two weeks, I'm Dennis. I'm Tony. See you guys later. Bye.